0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world. That's my line. I know. No, I, that's my line. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Michael Zalavari, and tonight I have a very special guest with us, uh, Back, returning to Endurance Chat after a, a little while. It's my pleasure to welcome back, after uh, a few years, uh, the voice of uh, the WEC in the Age of Le One series, and the editor of Daily Sports Cars, Mr. Graham Goodwin.
1: Welcome back, hey, I'm Michael. Oh, it's, it's a delight. Uh, you catch me in what is not a shed. This is GGHQ around me. Um, looking uh, as I can see what you can't. Ridiculously untidy after a kind of long period on the road with not a lot in between. It's been a one oh, hell of an end to 2020, but now I finally get to sit down and tidy.
0: Tidy, yeah. Finally get tight, tidy. Right? So, apologies for the creaky chair, by the way. Oh, that's that's fine. I uh, see so you've got a new mic set up. Is this the debut of the new mic?
1: It's not quite, um, okay. and it's not it's not quite done yet. You'll you'll start, I hope, here um, uh, slightly better sound quality for Twist weekend Sports Cars. Um, so, there's uh, more to actually happen in this space with a bit more sound deadening. So, a little bit echoey still, but um, lots of good stuff planned coming forward on the podcasty. Uh, front you know we've we've passed a couple of cracking milestones uh and there's more to come i mean marshall closing in on this thousandth podcast oh
0: wow that's uh, a lot
1: you we're, tra- we're, ch- we're chatting the other day about what the number one thousand might be and he's got a cracker lined up i think that's uh, always always something i it's a joy in my week to do those things um and obviously you know he and and to a lesser extent i have had our Domestic challenges in making that a regular day. Um, Delighted to hear some real positivity from Marshall's home front about Chabral and uh, her continued work to recovery. Um, But it's never gone in the way of the fact that we just have fun doing that thing. And I know the kind of response we get from you and your guys and from people around the world is enormous. And um, I think you've probably read past 2 million downloads last week.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, Bear in mind, that's with far fewer podcasts. We have we've not done inside the sports car paddock this year, yep. uh, for the most part. Why? Because we can't go in the <laughs> garages. We can't actually meet people. So you can expect a pretty dramatic ramping up of that as things start to get back to normal at some point in the next forty or fifty years. Yeah,
0: at some point, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it feels like only well, it feels like a lifetime ago that I was at the bend Talking uh, with working with you at the Asian Le Mans series, and that was just this year. This year is ridiculous. It has been absolutely ridiculous. Like, how how do you how do you sum up this year in terms of motorsport after after that? And that was we were getting the first little inklings that something might be wrong because I remember the Chinese team teams elected not to come because of uh because of that uh, happening. Uh,
1: Absolutely right. So uh, it was like nothing any of us have seen before to give you a bit of context i think we may have talked about my previous professional existence at various points and one of the things i used to do with uk government was communications planning for disaster that could be anything from counterterrorism through to pandemic Mm. and i can tell you i mean okay you know that was before the era of social media etc etc so there's not quite as many touchstones as there might be now but what we're dealing with on a global platform now is to the upper end of anything we ever thought we'd have to plan for. Uh, so yeah, it was very dramatic. Um, we we're out in Asia for the final two rounds in, uh, Sepang and Thailand. Um, I was out there for most of that period of time with Trudy, my yep. good lady, Mrs. DSC editor, um, the sainted one. Um, and, we got back just days before real drama in Europe. It was already very much a live issue across in Asia. It was interesting to see the level of intervention and preparedness we saw in Malaysia and Singapore and Thailand compared to frankly, the shit show we actually had in the UK. Uh, I think we went through 12, 13, 14 airports in three weeks. The only airport I didn't have my temperature taken, and by the way, this included Burram Airport, which is in Botville nowhere in, uh, in, uh, in Thailand. No, yep. no offence to Thailand. Lovely, lovely place. The only place we didn't have our temperature taken was London.
0: Ah, well, that must be must have been reassuring coming back home. You know, and even more reassuring coming back from Bahrain,
1: which, by the way, has been my first uh, long-haul flight since, didn't have it taken this time either. Oh. Uh, so it's you know uh, that we'll just load up that shotgun and shoot ourselves in that foot, then reload it and shoot it in the other one. Oh uh, no! It's but I mean what the the effect has been profound. Mm, um, absolutely, uh, almost all of it bad. Uh, I think there have been some aspects of it that have been a bit of triumph for the human spirit. Um, I think when we get to the kind of community that we've had. Around Delhi Sports Girl, the community that you guys have got—they've been universally positive. Part of the mix in that it's drawn people to interact in a way which you know, a, a more regular way, because obviously people have had more time. But um, it's been a massive economic challenge for the whole industry. I mean, mm. you know, my kind of my income focuses principally around work that I and my team do. At racetracks, if you can't go to racetracks, there's no income. Mm. Um, The race teams i am frankly, in awe, staggered at how many of them have managed to get through this and out the other side. Frankly, I think it shows um, that we're dealing with a mature industry. We're dealing with a mature group of business people that shows that they do have some contingency. It's not doing what a lot of people have to do and living... Paycheck to paycheck, they've managed to survive that, and and a lot of the tone that you'll you'll probably hear in some of my answers coming forward here, and certainly in terms of some of the stories that are doing the rounds at the moment, is I think that needs to be recognised, it needs to be valued, it needs to be accommodated, and we need to give people a bit of space. I, I, I've yeah. never been a fan of the kind of oh this is awful, the sky falling, the sky falling. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's not a helpful thing right now. Everything. Everything right now is more difficult than it ever has been in my lifetime doing this. And, well, you know, listen to this week's uh, podcast. I I do unload, I'm afraid, (laughs) on a press room colleague for uh, the tone of some of the stuff we saw coming out of Bahrain. Uncalled for, unnecessary and selfish, to be honest with you. Uh, From my point of view... Will bad things happen coming forward? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are going to lose some people from this industry. We can lose some programs from from this industry. Some of those programs are going to be significant. We've lost some already. But we've got to be collaborative to keep people in this industry. There is nothing in it for me to blow out the water, something which has not yet been finally sorted, decided yet and I'm not a fan of people doing that, but yeah. well, we can get on and talk about Yeah, that. I was going to say, we yeah. started
0: off on a great note, started off on a really positive <laughs> note. <laughs> um, but but the, the positive note is, positive note is back racing. Yeah. For
1: the most part, we've seen maybe a 10, 20% drop off in the kind of numbers. It's been worse than that for some. It's been better than that for others. It's generally been better when, um, those chummy ships have got everything packed away into containers anyway. Yeah. Um, th- uh, there was, I thought, a spectacularly honest and open example of the impact, and you, you, your your listeners and viewers can see this. Uh, it was a press conference that got a lot of criticism because it went on quite a long while. Yeah. but go back and have a look at G.T. World on YouTube. Have a look at Stefan Rattel's press conference from Spa. And take a look at his opening slide, which talked about the impact on SRO and their global platforms. Um, just exactly what the COVID impact has been. I thought that was a remarkable level of honesty from a mature commercial organisation to show, in real terms, what the impact has been. And it's horrifying. Mm, yeah, uh, Look absolutely. at you know one of the things closest to my heart, British GT, which is where I first started. They've done a great job of drawing together a grid from where they can, encouraging people to come and do one-off races, et cetera, et cetera. But when you, if you deconstruct that and look at what was left from where they were supposed to start, it's pretty horrifying. Mm. You know, they, they lost 40% of their grid. GT4 European Series lost 50% of their grid. Other championships – you know, I know we're going to talk about GT World Challenge Asia. It just didn't happen. Yeah, same and... with
0: Australian GT this year. Didn't happen, even though Australia, by and large, has done quite well uh, yep. with a lot of things, and a part of that has been the transparency from our uh, health departments and all that sort of stuff, huh. and getting doing a, got a, a lot of work to get it under control. But even then, uh, Australian GT just didn't run. A lot of the support categories for supercars and for the uh, Australian Racing Group organised championships didn't run uh, and it was because of, yeah, because they I think Australia particularly has a, out a of difficulty of logistics because it's a big yeah. country. Um, Absolutely. Basi- it's basically trying to do a European sized championship with uh, much less resources for it so yeah it's it has been certainly a trying time for motorsport fans around the world but uh, you were a part of something that helped bring a lot of people together with the the, the Facebook support group uh, the the world yeah. under safety car um yeah just tell us a bit about how that came together and what what got uh, what use people got out of that because I saw a lot of a lot of people actually, finding a way to get through this period through that group well i think it it, i'm not
1: going to take any credit for that at all that goes down to uh jackie warnock yeah uh, fellow aussie uh and you know know, fellow adelaidean actually really (laughs) yeah and a lady and a lady adelaidean um so before we get to that point there was already a kind of a conversation with various broadly like-minded people. I I had a moment um, sitting in this chair in this office looking at that screen and it was as it all started to fall apart. Quite a depressing time Mm. um, if you care about these things and these people and if this is your livelihood. And I can remember that moment and walking up to the house, which is about 40 steps that way, um, to Trudy in the, uh, standing in the kitchen with Husky, because uh, he's always in the kitchen if you're in the kitchen, yep, it's a possibility, of, possibility of a banana um, <laughs> and lots of bananas, um, and saying to her, We can't keep doing this, that literally everything we were writing was doom and gloom and dis- disaster. I was beginning at that point to start to get notes from people I knew and some people I didn't, to so emails and messages saying, do you know if anything else is going on? What can you tell us? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's an a information vacuum, if you like. And there was a point then, I can recall, picking up the phone to Stephen Kilby yep. and saying, I think we've got to make a change right now. Um, I think we've got to make a change because I'm not doing great with this. Um, I, I sense that a lot of other people aren't doing great with this. All the news is terrible. It is not going to get any better for some considerable time. At that stage, we didn't know that that was going to be weeks, months, years. Yeah. We didn't. Um, and we got to start to look after ourselves and look after the people in the business. And that this is where that kind of started. And you might remember, Michael, that uh, that, that that led to a brief editorial from me saying, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, We started a round robin of um, asking people to come to us with brief pen pictures and other skills they had to try to get them some work because obviously there's a vast uh, proportion of people working in motorsports, motor as I am, are freelancers. Um, we started shifting from, uh, we didn't start to shift, we we made a paradigm shift from news to feature material um, through that four or five month period and I'm still sitting here with dozens of those ready ready to go. There's one yesterday, the Corvette C6R. Yeah, that was really, really That was That was done through, uh, through that period. Uh, and then from there on in, um, talking to people I know and care about, which includes you, you know, and we've had conversations through that period, to just make sure people are okay. Yeah. And um, that led to Jackie and others coming forward with the Wilderness Safety Car, which was basically intended to be an opportunity to bring resources together to help people professionally, to help people with their well-being and their mental health, because this is not a natural situation for no, any of us. No, no. Some of it, some of us are a lot luckier than others. I mean, I'm dead lucky. You know, around us is relatively green. We have a great big slavering beast of a dog that likes to be walked. That's that was an amazing part of this. Is that that gave us the opportunity to uh, go? We've got a, a great country park five minutes walk away where we could go and lose ourselves and you know for an hour um, and but we're lucky yeah there's a lot of people yeah. that aren't that lucky There's a lot of people if you're sitting there in a one-bedroom flat or a, you know whatever uh, and cut off from your social circle from anything other than zoom or Skype or whatever it's it's quite difficult it's difficult yeah. particularly I think the younger people um, you yeah, know, we certainly found that with our family uh, and that's you know that caused some some issues uh, on the family front, for us too, like it has for millions, billions of other people around the planet. So yeah, the world and the safety car. The idea behind it was that that it would give people an opportunity to just share information, to support. And what I do know that's happened from that, and I'm sure you've seen this with your friends and family, which is you can sense through electronic communications a tone. Yeah, there's something about the words or structure, and I think. I'd love to see a T-shirt spread across the planet that basically says, "Are you doing okay, mate?"
0: Yeah, and because
1: that—that's really important moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it's been amazing to see that sort of uh, support, not for not just in that context, but in our own context as well, with our. Are- community the the weekly rewatches that we were doing the discord chat which has been by far the more popular than it's been uh, at any other point in its uh, history just because we have this sort of togetherness and this uh this common interest that and then and then we're using that to lean on each other to to get through so that was something that yeah it's
1: it's basically it's it's basic humanity reinvented Mm. electronically and it's you know what we've had the conversation before, I'm sure we'll have it again about, you know, how important communication is. Communication is absolutely vital. Without that, people do feel
0: isolated. Kind of, yeah, isolated. And
1: you know, and that's that's it's so important right now. And I think when you know, people have said to it, Yeah, you would say that, you do this for a living, blah, 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 blah. Now people are beginning to get it. Yeah. Now people begin to get to the point where you start to see what happens when communication goes, well, And communication goes badly. And, you know, people are beginning to be, I think, a lot more selective about the way they consume information and contact. I mean, you know, I look at times at some of the social media channels and it's just downright depressing. It's divisive and hate filled and awful. Um, And I also look at the way that some of the organizations that we interact with and do business with communicate well and communicate not so well or in some case badly yeah. in some cases not at all yeah um and i think that's been a bit of a wake-up call and that that is going to be something you'll be hearing and seeing a lot more from me about in the future which yeah. is actually guys you've got to do a better job here yeah. you've got to make sure that you know we don't turn up uh, in a situation in a race uh, meeting where we can't get into the same room together as easily as we could and you know, you can't expect information, really important information, to spread by osmosis. Yeah, you've got to communicate. You've got to interact. You've got to value those people.
0: Um, we'll put a pin in that because that's something I do want to talk about a little later on. But let's let's, let's keep a uh, uh, train on this a uh, little bit of a positive uh, mood. Let's let's have a think. Twenty twenty. It's been a, it's been a rough year for a lot of people. But what do you reckon has been the most enjoyable event for you for for this year for twenty twenty in terms of motor racing? <laughs> what, what, what comes to mind because there's been a lot of difficult ones there's been a lot of interesting yeah. ones and a few very new ones it's it's an interesting one I and mean, there's lots of
1: there's lots of different answers for lots of different reasons i mean my core friendship group is around racing because yeah. that's what i spend my free time doing and all my and my elective time doing um it's been great to do some road trips. I wish we'd been able to do it with more people, but you know I've, I've done what five long distance road trips with David Lord, He's my business partner on Delhi go We've been to all of the LMS races. We flew to one, we drove to the other four. Um uh the same with Peter May, Pedro, uh Pedro at the um, uh V S C absolutely, both both photographers. Uh, which, of course, does make them a slightly lower form of life. You have to remember <laughs> that. Okay? Um, and if you're listening to this, uh, Andrew Hall across in, your, uh, in Australia.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure <laughs> to clip that out and send that to him. Uh, Bless you. I, I got Bless to meet him. Andrew at the Bend and Bless. at uh, Bathurst. Skippy,
1: Andrew Skippy Hall, just the most awesome person. Absolutely lost in operation. I joke. It, okay. um, I thoroughly enjoyed the... Working in the team aspect at the moment was weird. Yeah. It, but I enjoyed working with that team. I thought we had a great team on the broadcast team there. Uh, ELMS, I think those race meetings in the press room were pretty good. Um, I think it's helped to draw together some people that probably didn't talk as much as they should in the press room and in the paddock. Okay. Um, yep. So I've enjoyed those thoroughly. <sighs> the best race meeting.
0: Or the best event. Because remember, Le Mans Virtual was a thing.
1: Wasn't really involved in it. Oh, the you were answer.
0: Okay. No, 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 no,
1: no. I didn't get involved directly in that. Um to talk about it. Uh, I think it was an absolute triumph for the people that, to, that put that together. I think it was a head turner. Um, I think it's, it got people to understand what you could do with resource. It got people to understand what, what uh, step change you could make when resource went from that to that it particularly got people to understand what value proper tv production can bring Uh, for me the the real positive from that race meeting was that um, i thought they chose their cutout interviews well i thought they did a great job of doing so many of them Mm -hmm. i thought they had a lot of very good people involved in that i think martin haven uh, and Ben Jurist did a great job holding that together. I think Lou, uh, you know, uh, and um, and Haley did a great job with what was going on in the in the uh, the fringes of that with the add-in interviews. But um, I know that Gerard Levo was very very proud of it. I think he's got very good reason to be proud of it, and I believe. The ACO learned some lessons there, which I hope they remember. And the final thing to say, and, and I, I, I'm anticipating a massive grin here, is it did lead to a permanent change for the WC. Yes. you know what that permanent change was, yes. which is they now use Discord.
0: Yes, which, which is I, hilarious. Which I,
1: still, which I still don't understand. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
0: we, we would be doing this in Discord. I've had to spend two hours piping the sound <laughs> and video from this into Discord so that way the rest of the community can yeah. be involved as well.
1: Here comes the other question. The other question you haven't asked. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is a terrible habit of mine. Saying this is the question you could have asked. Yeah. Well, it Which might is, be on my list. Uh, <laughs> it might. Which is, do I think things have fundamentally changed um, between actual and virtual racing?
0: That's, that's literally the next question I was about to ask you. Come on, Graham. Bingo. So the answer is, it's
1: a yes and no. Yeah. Um, undoubtedly, you're going to see people that are now involved in virtual racing that otherwise wouldn't have been, and vice versa. I think people have been exposed to proper professional race teams for the first time. Do I think that's going to mean a fundamental shift? Do I think we're going to see um, a continuation of the level at which virtual racing was seen through lockdown? No, I don't. No. But I do think it's raised it a few levels. I think Do, it's,
0: do not- you think we can see a, a, a virtual racing, a sim racing platform alongside a uh, maybe not directly alongside but you know do you think in the future if they do another Le Mans virtual or a WEC virtual series a sim racing series that we can start to see uh that be taken maybe not as seriously but seriously enough to be legitimized uh in the next five years because of what's happened this year I
1: think the key is gonna be this. It's gonna be affordability. Yeah. Very okay. much
0: I mean, a lot of a lot of these organizations
1: are struggling to get things together. Um, if they can see there's commercial potential for it, absolutely. Remember the the only thing so there's two things that have changed. One is the profile that those events have been given at a point where there's been nothing else. Yeah. Okay. Um and the other thing is the explosion. Uh, in terms of the numbers of it. I mean, I've lost count of the number of organisations that have been on the phone to me through that period saying, we're thinking of doing something yeah. to do with virtual racing. And some of those happened and some of them didn't. Um, so in terms of the explosion, that's not sustainable. There will that Not all of those will survive. In terms of the profile, um, some of those events were already happening but didn't have the profile outside of a, quite a closed community. So I think the reality is, where they happen, the inevitability is they're going to take a step. Whether or not they take a a step or a huge step, I think is going to depend on the sustainability of the audience. One thing I've certainly noticed, um, watching some of the streamed races uh, on YouTube and with the chat up um, is always, how can I put this? And education.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say because you, you would that, that would be a new experience for you. You would have never had to have been in a chat room during a live race like that. No, no, no
1: not quite true. So, quite I mean, th- as, a, as a for instance, uh, the last couple of years for ELMS, um, I've often had the stream up in the corner with the chat. Oh, okay, yeah, um, uh, so you know, so I can see what's going on there. Um, aside from the fact that I can only really say that I sincerely hope that if COVID was a righteous force. There are a number of people within those chats that really, really should... The the word coal.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We've got uh, Oli Trovis in uh, in our chat saying it was an uneducation being in those chat rooms.
1: Uh, I have to say, um, I'm being cruel and I'm being ironic, but holy shit, the (laughs) the, the intelligent quotient there. But uh, the, the reason I raise it, before we get into that, is... Very, very, very clearly, a very high proportion of people on those chats have come to racing from gaming. Yeah. And that cannot be ignored and cannot be underestimated in being a potential force for good in growing a sport where the interest has been static for too long. Okay. Okay. It absolutely gives you the opportunity to bring in a much, much younger audience, and you've got to find ways to engage with that. And that means you've got to look at doing that in very, very different ways. Yeah. Uh, absolute interactivity is the key to it. Um, I think championships are missing a major trick by not having uh, significant personalities involved in that championship, getting themselves involved live in those chats. Yeah.
0: Oh, I live in that, those that... chats, not, not in those As- well, absolutely. racing events. Well, absolutely.
1: Okay. You know, I mean, I know that, you know, on the odd occasion when I'll drop in and say... No, it's not that, it's this. Yep. So all of a sudden, there's two or three people that know who I am going, oh, you know, and then it follows on. There's no doubt in my mind. Let's say, for instance, it was IMSA. Yep. Okay, so let's say IMSA did that. Now, okay, they don't have a YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. But let's say, for the sake of arguing, they did. And let's say you put in uh, somebody who's not active, but is, well, a good example might be Ollie Gavin. Yep. Who's... So let's say Ollie Gavin dives in to the chat and says, hi, guys, hope you join the race that then leads to interaction with someone that has access to something that very many of those people don't have, which are facts. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yep. you know, so it is that kind of, uh, quite aside from that experiential, well, what's that like, which is always a great part of actually having someone on comms like Alan, Alan McNeese, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, that, that's, you know, it's, so he can tell you what, what is happening rather than me Join the dots. Yeah. yeah. Or making it up. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I think that's something which would be highly valued. That uh, if actually you could get somebody who's not directly involved in that, in that, um, in that event, uh, just to go in there and give them half an hour, 45 minutes, join the race to interact and to educate. And um, I think that could be very, very cool. And I can tell you this, uh, that is on uh, a, extensive set of notes that I've prepared for more than one championship moving forward to
0: 2021. Ooh, Ooh that's very, very exciting. Uh, I do want to talk a bit more about uh, possible additions to broadcasts and changes uh, sure. with some of my own ideas a little later on. But we'll just wrap around to Le Mans virtual, because I know Ollie had another question that he wanted to ask, uh, and that mm. was regarding OEM Interest and buy in to sim racing because we saw yep. in the Le Mans virtual, uh, we saw uh Ferrari drivers, so Charles Leclerc, we saw Lando Norris uh jump in as well, we saw uh teams from Rebellion and Buy jump in and do well, we saw Porsche be very, very uh forward with their commitment to that race. Uh, yep. does that uh, do we see do you see with your experience a a, a situation in there's more manufacturer buy into these events, and also more series buy into the events. Like, could we see a WEC download pack for IMSA, where oh, sorry, for iRacing or for um, uh, R Factor Two, where they have the Orica P two O seven, the Delaro P two seventeen, a Toyota LMP one car by LMP one car Rebellion, LMP one car, and you can start to simulate a full season like that.
1: I hope so. I mean, you know, we've seen already. I mean, I'm not a serious gamer. I I play with one game and only one game. And it tends to be my... uh, It tends to be my downtime. Sorry about the creaky chair. Um, And it's it's on my phone. I play with Racing 3. So um, I I do, you know, and um, I've been playing it for what feels like years. Don't spend any money doing it at all. Never have. Um, But IMSA have engaged with that. Formula E have engaged with that. Formula One have now engaged with that to the detriment of the game, I should say. But, well, you know, I mean, that's what happens
0: on. when you get Codemasters to develop a game for you. I mean, this has been yeah. like that for 20... Sorry. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but, but could they, should they, would they? Yes. I I
1: I I'll say this out loud quickly before I move on, which is I don't want to give manufacturers any excuse not to invest in real cars. Yeah, okay. There's that. I think we've got to be quite careful there that what is cool, there's no doubt it's cool. To be able to open up a, a gaming platform, and that's the car I want to race. Okay, I mean, and it's been going on for a long time. I can remember walking into a hotel lobby, uh, in uh, for poor Rickard, must be four or five years ago. And I'm trying to remember what it might have been, Forza,
0: yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: Forza was super um, big around then, and they had um, a variety of GT cars. And We spent a very happy half an hour going through the garage of cars that you can actually select on that game platform, Beer in hand, looking which ones have daily sports car stickers on them. Oh, you know, nice. Just, you know, so there's all of that kind yeah. of goes on. So the straight answer is it is cool, but um, I think the answer here is both sides of this, this, this transaction need to be aware that there are costs
0: yeah. involved. So do you think in that case it would be better for the OEMs themselves to buy in? Or better for the series to buy in and create something that then promotes the series more than just a manufacturer? So if you uh, say, insert, give us t- your DPI cars and your liveries and yeah. put them in, uh, Does that is that something that sounds like a better prospect than going to Nissan and say, give me your DPI car that doesn't exist anymore?
1: Uh, for me, by far, the most sensible transaction would be to do it with the series yeah. and the championship, because then what you're doing is you're promoting awareness of a product um, and you're promoting awareness of that that broader community thing, which basically then means that people value and are curious about and then research and then hopefully follow that platform. Yeah. So. You know, and this goes all the way back. I mean, all the way, way back. I mean, talking to people who've been involved in this this for a long time, the original kind of Gran Turismo. Need interest speed. In Super Speed. G- yeah, interest in S- Super GT yeah. came from gaming, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, the explosion of interest in the things Nord like Subarus. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, it's an area where unless you're, you know, an Uber geek, like, you know, some of us are, um, the... The reality is trying to get access to real-time information or or even reasonable-time information about those kind of um, rating platforms was next to impossible. There just wasn't information there. There wasn't live TV. There wasn't blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I mean, you look at what's happened in the last decade or so. I mean, uh, the Novergrain 24 Hours, we covered it right from the beginning um, of Daily Sports go back in 2002, 2003. But it was half a decade later before radio show limited um brought us with a crew to cover that race live which was the first time it had ever had any kind of english language live um uh, live coverage you know, we talked before i know uh, about the uk motorsport audiences relationship with the Bathurst 1000 mm. you know and if, 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 if you know if you've not heard the story before that used to get primetime Saturday coverage um, of the Bathurst 1,000, but months after the race, that they had that brilliantly done um, extraordinary coverage with camera angles no one else had, the follow cams, the in-car cams, uh, but it was a highlights package that was put into Grandstand, which was our BBC uh, Saturday afternoon um, uh, uh, TV sports program which yep. went through the whole afternoon. Yeah. Um but it was months afterwards. But that did lead to whole generations of people understanding that track and that race. And that followed through to me with the joy that was when I was asked to be part of the Bathurst World Yeah. Decades later. Decades later. And the familiarity of that place because you'd been given the opportunity to see it. And Uh, I think there's there's something in that with the the carryover that that virtual racing and gaming can actually have, but it needs to be done with intelligence. It needs to be done with a view to what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to earn some money or are we trying to build the core real-world platform? And I think if we've lost that second part of it, my
0: view would be you're not doing it right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've we've got some people in our live chat saying that uh, they've gotten into racing through gaming. Uh, Ollie again saying that video games are the new car poster up on the bedroom wall, and you can see behind me. I have the the bedroom wall poster, which is my uh, Porsche uh, 911 RSR, thanks to Need for Swede, which is one of the the users in the subreddit. <laughs> Great name, um, yeah. but yeah, the the reason I'm actually so into Porsches is because of the Need for Speed Porsche 2000 game back in the year 2000. I that was a it, game a fun. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Oh no, absolutely no, not. No, no. I I, I, mean, I
1: just see from, I think I'm pointing the right direction to that poster. I mean, posters, you know, I'm looking around my, my office now and I've got some lovely ones got Andy Blackmore. Um, uh, original print, he sent to me, God bless you, Andy. On one one wall, there's a fantastic IMSA poster. I've got, then, I've got
0: this year's spotter guide on my wall just out of frame yeah There you here. go. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's a poster just sitting behind the camera, which I, I might turn this around and show you a little later, which was um, a Christmas gift from, uh, from WEC. came from uh, Gerard Navo. Oh, wow. Which is a collation of original artwork from young artists from um the wc from some years ago and then that poster one behind me is the um the bmw z4 gt3 Bruno spengler tim Glock, and the beloved alex and and when they did, did a michelle vion uh, car at the Spa 24 hours and phew, alex yeah i get well soon pal i mean yeah, yeah of course it, it's just one of my absolute favourite people in the whole world. These things, mean, these you know, these things we have around us. That that's another keystone, isn't it? It's the kind of call it obsession, passion. Yeah. It's the it's the things. It's I look at the things that are around me behind the camera here. There is what is supposed to be a whiteboard. I'll, I'll show you
0: just briefly. Okay, here we go, everyone. <laughs> oh, maybe not. Maybe we've lost him. Oh, there is a poor network connection. I'll be back. Hello again, Graham. We are back. Hello. So that's
1: supposed to be my office whiteboard. Yep. Um, but it's now covered in stickers and clippings and just mementos. And it's just, that summarizes the passion, doesn't it? It summarizes why it is I do this rather than go to an office and do something else. Yep. It, it's, it's about... The people and the places and the happenings and meeting friends, whether or not you're working or whether or not you're going there for your leisure time. So there's all sorts of reasons why I think we we kind of we need to think about the virtual world as a part of the picture. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly I'm not at home to um, any kind of discussion about will this dominate or that dominate. It has to be. Um, symbiotic, yeah, pieces of
0: a puzzle. Because
1: it does. Because without a healthy real world product, there's no new input into the virtual world product. Yeah. Without the virtual world being healthy, you miss out on that opportunity—a massive opportunity—to refresh the audience for the real world. And I'm not seeing enough. I don't think of uh, my real world racing colleagues getting it right yes. Yeah, there are okay. some areas where they do there are other areas where there are massive opportunities that have not yet been delivered on
0: yeah and I think uh, an exception to what you just said there is uh, in my part of the world the V8 Supercars E-Series while, while they were in lockdown they had all of the full-time Supercars drivers probably produced series. yeah yeah and, and and with and, and, f- you know, full graphics and everything, and it was as much as the real thing. And they had international wildcards as well. I think they had Lando Norris, they had Max Verstappen, yeah. and it really legitimized the entire uh, entire venture because they had everything done as if it was the real thing.
1: I think I think the, the sensible thing to look at here is you've got to move with that marketplace. As so a for instance, it might be that what you're trying to do is to move an audience towards your prime time tv product for the real world racing and the cost of doing that the cost of getting to the point where you add percentage points to your audience might be that you have to invest you have to invest in doing something maybe late night maybe late night uh, that is on a terrestrial channel or you know a popular cable channel or whatever it is that you've got that is an additional product that that's that, that seamlessly integrated within um the offer across the board. I think there's a lot more that can be done moving forward to make that a bit less clunky than it currently is. Yeah. Don't don't pretend it's something it's not, um, but just see it as a a valued part of that family. And don't be afraid to introduce new talent into that, um, to give people the opportunity to express themselves. But but the, the key, the core to this is very important, I think, which is both sides of that, that that transaction need to do one thing that sometimes they're not great at, which is stop taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. You know, stop it. You know, I'm not gonna be one of those guys that turns around and goes, it's only a game. No. Or, no. You know, I, and I, I have tweaked a couple of tales when it was kind of I think there was reasonably, notoriously did say in answer to one of my journalistic colleagues who was sounding off about Fernando Alonso being given a buy at the virtual Le Mans going, it's not real. Now, now, I did it for effect. Of course I did. But there is a degree here of, guys, get over yourselves a little bit here. Stop taking everything so damn seriously. And
0: especially for an event like Le Mans Virtual, which to me, it was marketed as an exhibition. You know, like, here is what we could do. It was great that it turned into a great race, but oh, yeah. it was yeah. an exhibition. It was here, we've got half a field of professional drivers, half a field of sim racers. Let's put them together and do yeah. something to field this weekend that should have been in the middle of the French countryside.
1: Yeah, and you know, and people genuinely missed that. And people genuinely felt sorrow yeah. about not being able to do something which, oh absolutely let's not let's not forget for very many people around the world that is their thing that that week that is what they build up to it's what they save up for there you go you know and i look at um you know some of the people we've I've got, we got more
0: hands up in our chat people putting hand up go. emotes yeah
1: when there's a there's a a, a long time reader of Ours and friend of mine, who I've met multiple times at race meetings, has covered at least one race meeting for us. Paul Marker in the the States, who Paul was supposed to be coming this year for the first time. And it's that thing about through the full year before that, because I'll give Paul this one thing. He is keen. And and it's I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And what about this? And what about that? What about the other? I was looking forward to seeing him, you know, meerkat like around
0: uh, around Le Mans. And
1: it didn't happen. Yeah.
0: And that was that's that's my that's my experience as well. I had plans in place to go this year with some of the people I know through this podcast. It was going to be I was going to meet up with Ian Chicken and Matt Pig, who are the the heads of Sports Car Worldwide and yeah, Yeah. the Facebook uh the fan forum. And we were going to go into the genetic Garage and do some PR because, of course, our groups were all involved with the Genetic LMP1, but that didn't happen either. So yeah, it was quite a frustrating year and quite a frustrating uh time for that entire thing
1: but i i guess what i'd say in response to that is this there's a learning point here yeah okay which is to remember how important that is and when we get to the stage where we all do where the minutiae and the the picky parts of this start to become a bit too important is let's remember the big picture the big picture is the fight is let's get back to that point.
0: Absolutely. Let's get
1: back to that point and let's pull together and stop the negativity that happens around here. The the final thing I'll say about this is this, and you'll have heard me say this, both in terms of things I've written and in terms of things I've said, spare a thought for the people whose job it is to make these things happen. I cannot begin to imagine how hard this has been and continues to be. I mean, I, you know, I mean, in uh, more or less daily contact with variety of people I work with in a variety of different race series, um, some of which is for public consumption, some of which is um, for, uh, you know, friend-to-friend communication, some of which is me being part of helping them towards a solution. And the barriers to bringing these things across the line are just absolutely enormous right now I mean quite aside from as we said a little earlier the, the difficulty of physically finding flights to go to places um, you know it, it, it's not as easy as it was now, I can't remember was it before or after we pressed uh, live for this that I talked about it was flights before before yeah right, well let me tell the story so um, I have a bit of freelance work uh, next week. I don't know if that plane is flying over you or me. It is definitely you. you. There you go. That's that's a millionaire flying by. You can tell it's live, everyone. There you go. I don't know the millionaire, by the way. Um, Are you sure? You you might. I do know some millionaires. Stop.
0: (laughs) I I met Roger Penske. Does that count?
1: (laughs) I've I've met Roger Penske. He, 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 He said these words to me, and I've always remembered them. It's... Who the hell are you? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So so back to the flights thing. The the flights thing. So I've got a couple of days of work um, in Europe uh, next week. Not going to tell you who with, or where or when. There you go. But um, it's interesting. Um, And that is middle of the week, two days, but it's a four day trip. Why is it a four day trip? Because in a situation where the European city that this is based around, Um, up until this year, there were multiple airlines flying to multiple, flying multiple flights every day. There is now one airline flying one flight every two or three days in and out. And that's been pretty common through our experiences of getting to and from places in the latter part of this year. And that is going to remain a major challenge moving forward, is We're not through this yet. Um, However bad it's been for motorsport, the travel market and the events market, it's catastrophic. uh, Absolutely catastrophic. Mm. So um, I feel for them. Uh, I feel for the that marketplace and that's going to continue to have some impacts i'm absolutely sure of
0: that and uh, on on that note as well i'll briefly mention here that what's happening in europe has had an effect over in australia because we've uh, gone in an entirely different direction we've gone quite uh, heavy and hardcore like for example i am in the middle of a three-day lockdown because of a a, a cluster that's uh, happened in my city but uh the worry of international flights coming into australia has meant that events like the bathurst 12 hour have being cancelled for next yeah, year so gone. yeah so yeah, that uh, yeah. that will come back of course
1: should say this you, you, I'll say this now and this is a bit of news I know for you guys over there in Australia you know that Covid's all over everywhere else and we've just been kidding oh really yeah you oh. are just enjoying the fact you're all locked up
0: oh well well I mean it's only <laughs> true. We, we're, we're going through the world's shortest lockdown it was going to be six days now it's only three days the
1: pizza restaurant yeah, date, or whatever it's going to be called oh <laughs> complete, if you've not read this story this morning, I read it this morning, you kind got of to think really?
0: We, I was I was in the middle of a very intense work conversation about what's going to happen next week because of course I, uh, that was you know, are we classed as essential workers, can we leave, and then in the middle of it it's just like, oh, we're out of lockdown tomorrow anyway, that's an entirely different thing, if you want to read up on Adelaide's Adelaide's pizza <laughs> department, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous it is, it's so it hilarious. is quite ridiculous um, the, it all so basically comes down to how many people in Adelaide? Uh, one point three million, I think. And it was twenty affected, cases
1: affected by one guy who told a lie. Yeah. To track and trace.
0: And I feel bad for that guy. I feel pity for him because boy, howdy. Um, no, I would drag him around <laughs>
1: the. I'd drag him around the what? the street course behind a V eight supercar as an example to the rest.
0: Well, you can't anymore because they also cancelled that.
1: Yeah, no, d- I'm not going nice to get into that. Be a nice one to finish it. i a nice one
0: to finish it. I'm not getting into that because that's a podcast for another time when I'm in a much better <laughs> mood. I mean, worth saying,
1: by the way, if you've not heard me say it before, it's an interesting thing about uh, – we talked about this business about encouraging an audience. Your city is exactly the um, the example. Yeah. If I think now about the Aussies and I know involved directly in motorsport – it would not be an exaggeration with the exception of um, drivers. Oh,
0: I'm drivers, yeah. Um,
1: Skippy's Skippy. a massive exception in so, so many ways. So many ways. <laughs> I always said which, that. <laughs> not many of which are suitable for a family broadcast. <laughs> but the, ma- the majority of people I know who are actively involved in international motorsports from Australia come from Adelaide. Yeah. Why? Because there's a motorsport culture there, because they have an international race, a racing scene. Early, yeah, and they tend to be that kind of generation. Jane Rowe at the age of the is Jackie, uh, Jackie Warnock. Uh, the um, never heard of him.
0: Oh, okay, he, yeah. Oh, some dude he lives in the Barossa, talks a bit. I don't know. He looks a bit like a koala, pardon, it's like a koala. That one, yeah, a little bit. Like a koala, yeah, 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 or Ryan, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the answer is it's all these guys, y- you,
0: yeah, you. do i make that list now
1: don't forget him 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 there but it's true and then you look at what happened with the bend and all of that coming up that would that have happened had there not been that culture it just wouldn't so that i think is an example of embracing a culture and seeing what you can get if you allow that to thrive and yeah let's wait to see that one go to the virtual world i hope it does
0: it, I as-
1: intelligence moving forward.
0: It absolutely should, and it is a tragic loss. And the fact that Murray Walker from the, from your part of the woods has come out and commented on it is a testament to its stature in international motorsports. And I have yeah. many words that I am going to reserve for another time because we should talk about something more sports car related. And I actually wanted Go to talk. It. I wanted to talk to you about Le Mans. I wanted to talk to you about your experience of being at Le Mans this year uh, for this year's race in September with no fans, uh, social distancing masks. I believe you were the only media at the track. I I don't think... you Not quite. Not quite? Right.
1: So, uh, normally speaking, there's something well over a 1,000 media are accredited for the Le Mans 24 hours. This year, it was a tenth of that. Um, The vast majority of those uh, were in the press room and were not allowed in the paddock okay. at all. Um, so, well over 100 of those and of those 100, it's broadly speaking, about 60, 40 were photographers, Yeah. some of whom were accredited by the teams. Uh, so, most of the journalists were not permitted into the paddock. TV were permitted into the paddock, that was part of our same bubble and there were a very small number of journalists, not in the press room, but in a um, a supplementary press room actually in the TV compound a porter cabin um, good luck guys uh, I think five or six of them that were allowed paddock access because they weren't in a separate, so it's all done with these bubbles etc yeah. et still not an ideal solution because of course still not allowed in the working areas of the garages um, so what was it like as a, as a um, experience weird yeah. Okay. I uh, think so. First things first. Visually, very different. None of the huge hospitality setups down to the Fort Um After day one, spent my entire week in the TV compound. A um, little bit in the paddock. Uh, had literally one meeting um, with um, with a major series uh, head in the. In the paddock, we had one briefing with the ACO and IMSA people around the hypercar regulations. The only time I left that that, uh, compound, if you like, was the Goodyear flight, the Blimp flight.
0: Oh, yes. uh, Which was during the race, which was extraordinary. I mean, extraordinary. (laughs) That must have been quite a nice view but also quite an eerie view to see Le Mans from above with only just the track and no campgrounds, no fanfare. It's in some ways quite sad
1: and quite emotional. I mean my journey with Le Mans began with my son who's now in his 30s before he was 10. I mean we went in 1995 to watch the race, it was his passion. Um... You know that led through to me attending that race for five, six years with James. He still goes to his friends, etc., etc. There's various bits and pieces in this office that have come from that. In fact, I'm going to grab in a moment one of the uh, the infamous things that we've actually got in the office here, which uh, has actually just been taken off the wall because something else is going up, uh, which is a bit of bit of 90s GT1 history. There you go. Oh wow! that, That is part of the number two. Toyota GT1. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that crashed in front of us in 1999. And there signatures on there that is Thierry Bootson, um, Alan McNish, never heard of him, uh, Ralph Kellens uh, were the three guys in that car. Uh, the car was leading and crashed out. But it, it was sad, yeah. actually. Um, there was a change to that pretty early on. Um, the Conversation with the team and the, the team. For those that, that weren't watching what we were doing, that was the regular WEC crew of uh, Martin Haven, Alan McNish, myself, Duncan Vincent, um, added Thanks. in Ben Constant Juris, uh, Peter Dunbreck, uh, Jeremy Campbell Walter. Um, oh, actually, no, Duncan wasn't there. Duncan couldn't come because of COVID. That's quite So yep. it's Haley Edmund and um, Alex Legui in the pits became pretty clear there was something of responsibility here um, there's an awful lot of people around the world that wanted to be there we could be there and that was treated extremely seriously uh, the, 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 the immediate effect on me having been told who was coming for that crew was okay we've got a number of people who have done it before we've got a number of people who haven't it is a massive event there is no time because we have a far shorter time for people. There was no, for instance, two days at Scrutineering to sit down with people and digest. Um, So regular readers of of Daily Sports Car will possibly have noticed that there was far less preamble on DSC this year than we've ever had before. And the reason for that is because DSC at the moment is not a paying gig for me um, at all. Uh, the TV is a paying gig for me and it becomes that much more important when there's no live audience. So I spent 10 days writing the briefing notes for the TV hmm. crews. What does that mean? That means uh, full briefing notes about what are the classes, what are the cars, who are the teams. And it was, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of words. I mean, I, I literally profiled every single driver in that race. Yeah,
0: you. you said, um, I remember getting. Oh, well, you gave us a copy of that. Uh, us. us. Oh, did I? Yeah, you gave us being the the group that were working on it for DSC, and the the only thing. Of I could course I did. Of, Yes. Yeah, the only thing I could think of while when I got that was, boy, this would have been a great to have a week ago when we were doing the preview podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, or you might that have that been li- listening thing. to my preview our preview podcast while doing it. That was version one. Oh, um, really? So that so
1: I was still working on that, uh, right up to the green flag for the race. Oh, and, no. Um, uh, you know, Le Mans, for a professional journalist and for a professional photographer, is a gruelling week. Um, you know, as a, as a general theme, to compare and contrast what we normally do with what I did, I made a decision very early we were not going to send writers to Le Mans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, because and the what, was the such, what was the logic behind that? Logic was
1: very simple. I knew that the uh, writers were going to be in the press room and nowhere else. That means that your access to information is TV screens, timing screens, electronic media. You can just as easily do that from home. Yeah. Okay. Can and confirm. You did where, that from home. Yeah. There you go. So, in a period where we had had literally zero income for four or five months, there wasn't a lot to be paying people at, uh, at all. Um, so, That was the decision-making process there. The social side of it, because, of course, my guys love to come to Le Mans, uh, would have been absent as well. So we had one photographer, Pedro, uh, with some backup from some of our other friends um, in uh, the press room, and the only writer on site was me. That was it. And boy, oh boy, did I underestimate what was going to be involved in that week, with, of course... A group of five six seven guys from around the world including yourself michael um that were there effectively covering the sessions
0: yeah so that was that, that was myself Sorry. rj o'connell uh martin little uh stephen kilby and ryan kish was the group that's right i think yep
1: that's the, that's the group um and a great job you guys did
0: It was actually just quickly on that note. It was very interesting writing a practice report for FP1 with nothing but a timing screen and Twitter feed because that was all because you didn't have any cameras at that point. We didn't. No, we didn't have any
1: cameras up. And uh, here's the thing: that's what it used to be like. Yeah, and and quite often, quite often, not with a timing screen, you'd actually have a timing sheet. So uh, you know, I feel a little bit like I remember this old fields around here. But oh, back in the day. But um compared to what it would normally be like. So normally we would rock up at Le Mans on the Saturday by ferry, the core group um, from DSC, the DSC fun bus would roll in. Um, Sunday, Monday, we'd be in the centre of town for scrutineering. Huge amount of work being done there. That means that you're then finishing writing about each of those days about 2 a.m. the following morning-ish before you get five, six hours sleep. Tuesday, supposed to be a day off. Nah, that basically is when you catch up. And my regular deja vu moment is looking at my watch and thinking, how the hell did we get to 5 p.m.? And you're not <laughs> nearly finished with the stuff you collected from the day before. There's usually some press and PR activity there. Wednesday, Thursday is first track time. But, of course, it's quite late on in the day traditionally for that. Yeah, so the yeah. There you go. So all sorts um, going on there. And then into Friday, which is the kind of fan day, but that's effectively another one where we're playing catch-up. If you go into the parade, that's that evening. If you're doing the campsite tour, it's that evening.
0: And, of course, it's, as well, that's the day that all the news breaks uh, for Every press, press conference, conference in the yep. world.
1: I mean, it's past a shotgun time. It really is. It's kind of um, – it's f- furiously busy for us. Um, so maximum, by the time you get to race day – the maximum amount of sleep you've had in a week before is four or five hours oh, a day. Oh, bro, maximum. <laughs> um, to get in on a normal Le Mans weekend, you are having to get to the circuit probably by about seven a.m. to beat the crowds. Otherwise, it's just gridlocked, um, which again means that coming into race day, you've not had a full, um, you know, full sleep. We've tried to do something a little more social, so there might be generally, when I might have a barbecue on Friday night with. The extended DSC team and family.
0: Do you do um, a meet so, up as well, like uh, similar to what has been done at Bathurst in the past, or uh, not
1: really possible okay. because yeah.
0: too a lot much. Of the,
1: well, a lot of the fans are in town for the, um, the parade. Um, for many years, I did the kind of campsite tour with Reddy Lamont, so I'm elsewhere. I have done the parade in recent years, um, so you try to do what you can to just make it a bit more fun, make yeah. it less grind. Yeah. So you're arriving in the circuit at 7am for race morning, of course the race start is hours and hours and hours and hours later, that that time just goes in a blur. Oh, I can, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> there are other things to do, including of course a road, road to Le Mans race um, and warm up. all sorts of other stuff, warm up the lot. And then from there on in um, I think the most sleep I've ever had during Le Mans races, maybe about three hours. Um, there might have been a year when I've, I've been on well that it's been a bit longer than that. But you, you know, it's on the back seat of a car. Yes, that's where I sleep. Until I started to do the TV a couple of years ago. And at that point, um, it's a kind of caravan in the um, in the TV compound. But that's what it's normally like. So generally speaking, a Le Mans day. Is a broadly a thirty-six-hour working day. Yeah, that's broadly what it's like. Um, At times, it's longer than that. Uh,
0: <laughs> And from moderating a subreddit, it can feel like that down here as well. Because ah, for sure. me, of course, lemon starts at uh, 10.30 at night normally. So, you know, normally I've been doing stuff all all during that day, setting up threads, uh, managing uh, community. And, you know, we, we had a big change to the way that we ran the community this, this year as well. And then on top of that, I was working with you guys. And so I actually only got like three hours of sleep that night as well. And then trying to do... 12 hours' worth of race reporting the next day was... That was not a good decision. <laughs> it's
1: it's a, it's a killer, you know, mm. and it's... Um, it, and, that, it, and, you,
0: and, and, and that was a first for me. So, I, I, I of course, as well, you know, and I'm sure people here listening know, I the, the first big event that I did for DSC was the Bathurst 12-hour, and that was yep. an absolute whirlwind. And that was, that was this year, which is terrifying. But to get an opportunity to do Le Mans for... You know that's that's like a dream come true, well, a small dream come true. But it was a very different way of following the race because you're not just watching the race as a, a an enjoyable sit back experience. I I was intently. I had like pages and pages of notes following one of the classes, and I w- at one point I w- I had. I had everything written and ready to go and then the rebellion car hit the wall and I was like, well, I'll just throw that out. <laughs> and there you go. That's yeah. exactly
1: right. And, it's, and it is like that. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a for instance, of so No Names No Pack drill, but we've, we've had a number of people come through the doors of DSC over the last two decades. One very able writer. Um, the dream was to come and do Le Mans. Uh, the absolute dream. And it's the way in which you have to follow it. Yep. And you're right, it's intensive. Um, and within three hours, utterly overwhelmed. Literally, I needed to kind of arm around the shoulder, go for a walk. It's going to be okay. Do it this way. You know, try it this way. Do that. Do the other. Try not to worry, blah, blah, blah. It it, it can be overwhelming. It, it is a strange thing. Uh, you know, endurance racing, um, it's one of those things that you either click with it or you don't. Immersively, I've always clicked with it, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And it's that...
0: It's a bit like test cricket. You're going to sit sit there and find the little stories.
1: There's there's going to be... I'm sure if someone kind of, you know, um, examine my brain, there's something in there that that is based...
0: It's like the hamster wheel, right? The hamster wheel running around. I'll give you an example.
1: I'll give you an example of... um, It was a regular one year, pretty early on, so this would have been early 2010s, um, and covering qualifying with John Hindoff in a remote studio so we weren't in the tribunes overlooking the track, we couldn't see the track we had one crappy uh, screen because it's dark anyway it didn't do very much and a timing screen so I had a timing screen, John had a timing screen John was calling it, I was calling um, effectively calling to him this is what's happening next John, this is what's happening next John And um, we had a very prominent member of the FIA WEC community in the room during that session. I won't tell you it was, but this is uh, a guy with big responsibility, um, huge heritage in endurance racing, was watching and listening to the way that we did it. And we finished it. It was an exciting qualifying and it was basically me saying to John, right, OK, John, you need to move from what you're talking about there, start talking about Dindo Capello's down a quick one. Um, and he was watching this timing screen. He couldn't see what I was seeing. And yeah. What I was seeing was the rhythm of this thing. And, and it's that. It is understanding why things happen in, the, in, a, in a particular order, understanding that it's not always important to tell everybody about that rhythm, but making it entertaining. So it's what to miss out as well as what to get with. So it yeah. might be going from, you know, and he's lost some time there in that third sector. Um, that chance has gone away. He's got one more chance on these tyres. But meantime, John, out on the circuit in sector one and going purple now, is, you know, so yeah. it's anticipating it's going to go purple. Uh, it's yeah, And it's that, it's trying to kind of, deconstruct and then reconstruct yep. a really complicated jigsaw that you've got emerging on that on that uh, on that timing screen. The one thing I shouldn't forget, by the way, is the big change, aside from the dates and aside from the structure of the um of the race meeting being a lot more constrained than it was, aside from the fact there were you no know, fans there, it's hyperpole.
0: Yes, and it's um, very difficult session.
1: I was absolutely a complete cynic about it, but you know what? With tracks, with fans trackside, that is going to be a big hit.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I have
1: no doubt about it. it, it I think it's going to be a big hit.
0: It's it's a, a kind of a, a a mini, well, not a mini shootout because it goes for longer, but it's got that same sort of atmosphere as a top ten shootout with the Alan Simonson Award at Bathurst. it's, yeah. it's that sort of uh, suspense and excitement. Um, yeah, is, is it pure? No, it's <laughs> pure speed. Mm. But here's where it's another one. It's
1: this is one where I'll I'll, I'll talk directly to my purist endurance racing audience, of which I'm one, get over yourselves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair. it's, It's basically, we're in the entertainment business. Yeah. And if that means that the Le Mans 24 Hours gets another hour of live terrestrial TV somewhere, that's a price worth paying. And it was exciting and it did draw out the best because it did also mean that teams and drivers that otherwise might not have had as big a chance of getting one of the big headlines, had a chance of getting a big headline. Why? And it showed. High class and, racing. Yeah, and um, you know, I thought it was. I thought it was a great addition. I hope they continue to develop that, and I hope that, that becomes something which draws people from the campsites or from the bars to the spectator fences to just watch what these cars do. Because honestly, you know, you've had a chance now, trackside, to see LMP P cars do what they do. Oh boy. Um, pfft.
0: Yeah, I I am. Part of me is very very disappointed that I never got the chance to see LMP1 cars at full tilt, at least in their current uh, configuration. We will have LMH next year, but uh, according to a friend of mine, uh, Cookie Monster, one of the. Uh, people on the podcast another moderator who went to Sebring and saw the Toyotas at Sebring last year, he said it was otherworldly. So I, it's, I, yeah. it's staggering.
1: I mean, let, me, let me give you a, 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 for instance, Um, I think I've told the Joe Bradley story. I'll tell it again now, okay. but t- two stories, both from uh, the same race meeting at, actually, well, sorry, one was a test. One was a race meeting at the Nürburgring. Yeah. The Joe Bradley story was Joe was on a road trip um, down to cover the 24 hours of Barcelona, if I remember rightly. So, this is where Joe, being a northern lad, not that intelligent like me, um, that's not a straight line, Joe, from the UK to Barcelona via the Nurburgring, but it's a hell of a road trip. Yeah. Um, turned up with John Hindhoff um, and was there not working. So, it gave him the opportunity to go trackside and he had a great time, you know great time in the stands uh, the arena, and then went down to watch trackside down at the S's at the back of the Grand Prix um,
0: The Schumacher circuit. yeah.
1: There you go. And um, he came up with a phrase, he's great with a turn of phrase, that has lived with me ever since. Because Joe's job at Le Mans is in the pits, it means whilst he's trackside, he doesn't get to see the cars at full tilt almost ever and this was his first opportunity and happily this was a year where we had the full spread.
0: Oh, 2016, and, and it, 2015? Something like
1: that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and his his phrase to me was I was I knew what to expect because he's managed race teams, he's managed British Touring Car teams etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. He knew about the parameters of his performance. Um he said but I was watching these cars come through and he said, my brain couldn't keep up with what my eyes were showing me. And I think that's a brilliant verbal explanation of what these things – it is literally like that. Yeah. I've been down to uh, you know, um, Beckett's at um, – uh, uh, Silverstone, yeah. With, with Alan McNish, actually, a couple of years on the trot. And you, you want to go and sort out where it is you want to go and watch a race car, follow a racing driver – and yeah. you know, we were watching the cars through from the rear, oh, and you yes. see a GT car come through, and then you see an MP2 car come through, and that's impressive. And then the Toyota came through, and oh my god, oh my god, yeah! So that was one. The other one actually came before that, it was the year we went to the Nürburgring ring for the first time. Um, they did a test, it was a Toyota test that was then expanded to cover the rest of the field. Uh, they allowed uh, one of the grandstands was open and free to the public, so public turned up in the thousands to watch these cars. Wow. We had from memory I think it was two Toyotas, one Porsche, one Audi, and the bicolas I think was there as well. Uh, reasonable spread of LMP2s and a pretty good spread of GTE cars. But the media were not allowed in for the first day, we were allowed in for day two, and it was, I think, I seem to recall the day after the Spa for hours. Okay, I think yep. that's right. So I drove down from Spa with a couple of the guys, um, booked a room in the Dorrent Hotel. Now, those of you that know the Nürburgring will know if you come around the Grand Prix Strecker round onto the pit straight, as you're looking down towards the Nordschleifer, down the pit road, uh, against the direction of traffic, the building on the right-hand side, on the exit of the final turn, mm-hmm. Is the Dorans Hotel? Oh,
0: okay? really?
1: Oh, sick! So it's an amazing place, fantastic bar, which you've got us off, oh, and all sorts of amazing memorability. There's a Zach Speed Formula One car oh, over the bar. Wow! Uh, the, um, um, so, booked a room there, which meant that we could shoot that session from the balcony, <laughs> and I could hand, t- hand time the cars. That was probably the first time I'd spent serious time simply observing the commands from trackside because every other session I'm in a, I've in a press room or, in the or you're getting a too. kind of an opportunity for a little bit of a chance trackside or I'm in a TV studio. Um, rather grand, um, you know, uh, a TV booth, let's call it that way. Um, Extraordinary. Mm. I mean ex- extraordinary to give you an idea of what that was like. So the cars would come out, they come around and blah 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 and give up speed. And then the Porsche would come around in traffic. Uh, I'm not kidding that under acceleration I I reckon that in the time it took the car to exit the corner, it had pulled a second out from the apex on LMP two car. Wow. Um, it was quite literally like watching a car nailed to a bungee cord Mm. to the the next corner. I've never, never seen acceleration like it. And it may well be that other things accelerate in road racing as quickly, but you've got to see that in the context of the other cars. And the multi-class aspect, yeah. And that's the point is an Aston Martin Vantage GTE, a Ferrari 488 GTE, a Porsche 911 RSR are not slow cars by any reasoning. You get an opportunity to sit in a passenger seat for anything remotely that quick, it will change your aspect of speed. It just will. The braking, the cornering forces, the acceleration, these are real world, monstrously quick cars. And yet, and yet, one of these hybrid cars just made it look pedestrian. I yeah,
0: mean,
1: pedestrian. That's it, it's, incredible. It's an amazing thing. I do hope someone somewhere manages to keep one of those cars active so that we can continue to experience that. But it, it has been professionally one of my life's absolute privileges to, to bring that era to an audience and to try and explain what that's like. That has been, whenever I decide to, finally read the books that are sitting over there, that <laughs> at the moment just sit there and look pretty and I've never had the time to read half of them. Um, when I finally get that time and I reflect on what this part of my career has meant to me, that for me would be one of the absolute privileges, is it will be seen as an albeit quite brief golden era.
0: But an absolute golden era.
1: Those, oh, those, the technology of those cars was just otherworldly. And we forget that when the lean years come and, you know, the, oh, it's an two totas I can't tell you how much I'm going to miss those cars.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: It's a source of absolute sorrow that the Toyota TSO50 will never race again. Uh, The all-time quickest sports car in history. Mm. And that will stay that way for
0: a long, long time. So there's like four things that I wanted to talk about that just came up from that conversation. Very quickly, firstly, we had a we had a, a question in the chat, um, which I think you've answered before, but uh, I will say it to you again just very quickly. Um, do you still imagine yourself... Can, can you imagine yourself ever being just a fan at a racetrack anymore? Or is there always going to be that uh, hamster wheel going on in your head trying to figure out <laughs> the commentary or the strategy? Because I know for I me, don't... I I can't anymore. I can't just sit there and be a fan. I'm always either watching from a commentary perspective or a media perspective or a marshalling perspective nowadays as well. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I, I'd like to think that I could. Uh, I don't think it could ever be as intense. Um, knowledge is a powerful thing. Knowing what's behind... It can also be a very frustrating thing. Yeah knowing what's behind the reason why that's happening or that person's doing that, or um, I'd like to hope that it does, but I completely understand why people don't.
0: Yeah.
1: That, that You know, when the tap is turned off to that contemporary ability to follow in that depth, that that could be a very difficult thing. I mean, happily, I'm in a game in terms of the writing, at least, and if that carries on, there's no reason for me to stop at a traditionally retiring point. Um, how long they decide they want to keep hearing my voice is up to them. It's a straight answer. Um, it's I. I hope I do because I love the people about yep. it. I love the people aspects of it. I hope I'm still a welcome presence in a paddock, for instance, going forward. Um, that you know that people still want to talk to me and still want to exchange information and blah blah i hope that's the case even if there's nothing in it for either party other than the conversation um but i don't think you really know that until it happens it was a source of sorrow to me that when malcolm cracknell stopped because of ill health um that we didn't see him at more race meetings than we did but i totally get it Mm. that if you're not able to express the passion. If you're not able to do those things that you previously did do, I can understand why you might want to turn that off. I still speak to Malcolm after most major race meetings and, you know, we catch up and, you know, uh, it's still a kind of joyous part of my social circle. But I get it as to why he wanted to turn the wick down. I hope that's not the same for me. I hope it's
0: not. Or well, if you but ever, if you ever are looking for an outlet, uh, if we ever get you to figure out Discord, you can come and <laughs> explain all the minutia to people in Discord. We're, we're very lucky that we have a lot of people uh, who are very well in tuned with what's happening in terms of watching from a timing screen, and people who have built tools to to yeah, yeah. explain those things better. So I think we've done very well to be an informed audience and to be able to share I, that minutia. I, th- I
1: think it, for me. I... <sighs> What do I want to do moving forward? It's a quite an interesting question. Was that the question I've I didn't always... ask? No.
0: <laughs> <That's a> good...
1: <laughs> it's, gotcha. It's it's good to be able to make a difference. Yeah. Okay. And if the difference you can make is for an outlook and an attitude, then I think that's a that's a that's a force for good. If your attitude is that you want to take this seriously but not too seriously, I think that's a force for good. Um, if you want to use the access that you've got to try to influence change for the good, I think that's a, a good thing. And I hope that whatever happens moving forward, that that's part of what my role is. Even if it's the kind of, you know, grey-haired, you know, slight wisdom of the grandfather type stuff, that you know, if I get that moment to speak to someone and make a difference, say, hey, you, you say that, but a bit, a bit like actually the influence of gaming. Yes. you know that i think there there is an opportunity for people to kind of you know don't just cash in on this look at what you can do with this for the good look at the people who are involved in this and think about which of those people might have a role that crosses those crosses that rubicon yeah. that crosses between those two worlds you know don't just see them through that slightly hackneyed way of this is not a group of people sitting in their underpants eating Cheetos, you know?
0: Oh, we might be. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not, are. <laughs> not just. Not just a group. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll... It's,
1: it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. That it's, it's crossing use that boundary. Intelli- use, find ways, use is the wrong word, find ways of tapping into the creativity and intelligence that's created that community. Yeah. And, 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 the, sense of, and the sense of community. Because that's so
0: important. Yeah, and I I will say, uh, I'm going to give you some glowing praise in a second, so don't get too out of shape. Um, (laughs) uh, In terms of having a positive impact and having a a, a, uh, measured uh, opinion and being able to influence a community in a, a positive way and influence people in a positive way, I can say that 100%. You have done that for me in terms of uh, not just as a sports car fan, but in terms of uh, bringing you along to do some writing and some advice and some lessons I've taken to you from you to use in sim racing and commentary and this and this podcast as well. And then in return, I have been in a privileged position with the community that we have here in Endurance Chat and in the RSWC Reddit and the Discord to uh, be that influence for a group of other people. So, as a flow on effect, Thank you, and we've got uh, we've got uh, someone in the chat saying that you're a chaotic good uh, influence on the sports car world. <laughs> That's your alignment.
1: Well, I, I'll tell you t- where it comes from. I'll tell you exactly where it comes from. I mean, my career has been spent as a communicator. Yeah. Um, initially, as a as a trainee journalist into PR. Into excuse me, a second, I'll just switch this off. Oh, Stephen Kilby, hello. Oh hey um, hey Kilby. Uh, that's Kilby trying to get through. So um Let we'll me just put that away. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I'll give him a call later. Um Just quickly on Kilby, I must say it, it people don't really realise but Kilby is a very, very funny man and people need to think about that more.
1: He he doesn't mean to be.
0: No. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kil- Kilby is uh is Working with him at Bathurst was one of the best parts of that entire experience, and I learned so much from him that I would, was not expecting to, so that was, that was, was great. Was it, the,
1: was, was it the deconstructed cynicism of it?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Think, cynicism comes with these things, yeah. and cynicism is a force for good as long as you don't let
0: it dominate. <laughs> hey, we yeah,
1: there come was a, back round to that.
0: There was a point there where McLaren was doing quite well at the end of the race where it started to unravel for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor man. Uh, anyway, sorry, so, I interrupted you. So,
1: so that's all right. Uh, so, what did I learn? I learned early about the power of positive communication and the power that bringing facts and honesty to a situation can be for the good. And it seems to be a message that society as a whole has lost right now. Yeah. That is. That is something that makes me extremely sad and at times extremely angry. Um, my background for for those on the the uh, in the audience that don't know is I worked for the UK government for twenty years as a press secretary. I worked. Yeah. I mean, but Trudy and I were uh, you know watching The Crown on Netflix last night, and it's extraordinary to watch events unfolding in drama that I was part of. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I work with a range of Um, departments of state I worked at number 10 with two different prime ministers I worked with the royal family I was you know part of my brief for a time was as a press secretary dealing with the government aspects of the royal estate all that kind of stuff all sorts of things but it brings into focus something that's primarily important and I think here it's not as important in sport but there are lessons you can bring with you Honesty and openness really matters. Yep. Um, because if you lose that that um, reputation, that uh, platform for basically that, that being trust. open and honest,
0: you don't get it back. Absolutely, you don't get it back. And you know, and this, I don't think this was something I wanted to dive into a little bit because uh, one of the things that the WEC can improve on is its communication. Uh, we've talked. In, in, our, in our subreddit community, there has been an extensive discussion spanning very many years now on why doesn't the ACO and the FIA tell us more? Why When they make balanced performance changes, like what happened to Aston Martin last year, why is it us or, or prominent members who are deconstructing these decisions and explaining yep. it to new people? Why is it not something that the ACO is being open about. Uh, and I think that is something that is one of the major drawbacks of the FIA yep. WEC. Uh, yeah, so so is there room, is there is there an opportunity for someone to come in and do that role for the WEC? Is there yes something that know. needs to I be mean, done? I think it
1: is something that needs to be done. I mean, I'll, I don't claim credit for very much. i will claim credit for one thing here, which is that when we get the bulletins as we do, um, usually fairly um, timely nowadays, more often than not, they will come with uh, some red explanatory notes now. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always th- the case. That, I think, came from a uber moan from me uh, after all of us in the full-time... Um, WC Press Core uh, were subjected to criticism from some of the manufacturers, some of the organizers about getting things wrong. To which the answer is, we wouldn't get these things wrong if you would explain. It's a bit like the math lesson, isn't it? You know, where you get the right answer, but get marked down for not showing the working. Yeah. Uh, and it's that. And it's, look, I'm not an engineer. I've never had any formal technical training like that at all. Why would you expect me to understand? your reckoning about equivalence of technology, which is the most furiously pointlessly complex system I've ever been exposed to in in motorsport. And actually, if you've come to that conclusion, this is the relevant adjustments you're going to make. You've done that based on evidence and data and with a philosophy behind it. So basically, over a period of time, it was please, please, please ask them just to explain what they've done and why they're doing it, what they're trying to achieve. Because success or failure is not determined by the results you see on track. It's determined by their performance against what the intention was in the first place. So, you know, it might not be that for whatever reason in a world where there is balance of performance and success, handicap, and, you know, pick another phrase, that, you know, they're looking for absolute total parity in every single area there might be other reasoning behind it there is where they can take a step and i know that's not something that's been particularly easy for some of the community that sits in the background um but yes i think they can improve on that i think there's a variety of ways in which they can improve uh on communications i've got to be quite careful in terms of the way in which i talk about that publicly yeah um you can be assured that uh, there are a lot of conversations and no little correspondence that goes back into, in terms of, to be honest with you, you could have done this and this could have been better. Or, you know, there have at times been conversations ranging from the absolute polite to the ranting argument and all the points in between that basically say, well, you say that, but. Um, But the key to it is this. I know this is something we've talked about before. I know this is something that's reflected in the commentary we've seen, which is constructive feedback should always be welcomed. Um, That should always come with courtesy. And it should always come with something which is radically lacking in very many uh, areas of modern day life. And we'll talk about politics, hopefully for the last time, in talking about this, which is, I don't need any other arsehole to tell me what the problem is. I want them to tell me what their solution is going to be to yep. the problem. Yep. And if you're voting for somebody that is basically just agreeing with your point of view that they don't like the same things that you don't like, that's not solving anything. Mm. You need to know what their solution is going to be.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's something that's very sensitive to me right now because... Because of this very brief lockdown that we've just had in Adelaide, so many people were witch hunting for what was the problem when really what needed to be done was focusing on the solution. And there was a significant portion who did that, and that's yeah. why we've been able to get out of this so quickly. But in terms of like a motorsport aspect or just even a further a- aspect, you know, the more time we spend ruminating about what the problems are, you know, there comes a point where it's not helpful and we got to start thinking about yeah. solutions.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we've seen this, and I think this is in part, you know, um, it's the evolution of social media. Yeah. it's not been a very pleasant one.
0: Well, it's been um, difficult. It, it's been the fastest, most widespread form of communication that humans have ever had. Of course, there's going to yeah. be some teething issues, and we've going through that uh, sort of the back end of that now. You know, with yeah, we platforms, I mean, we've, yeah.
1: we've come through. We've come through a period of time where the biggest lesson learned by political strategists is a tragic one, which is lying to the public works.
0: Well, I mean, that's that, not that, a new that's lesson. Reality. That's not a new lesson. I mean, but, go back...
1: But to But never to, this, de- never to yeah. this degree and never with the access for everybody to have
0: access to multi-billion people. Mm.
1: This um, is, is going to
0: take a very weird philosophical turn for a motorsport podcast anyway. <laughs> but, but,
1: but, here's the point. is It is also a powerful force for good. Yeah. Use it as a force for good and... Watch what happens. I mean, as a as a for instance, you know, I'm sure you've seen uh, posts on Facebook, posts on Twitter, where you've got everything from uh, a charitable cause or an educational cause to say, I'm trying to teach my um, class about internet safety. You know, here's a picture of a rubber duck. Could you just retweet this and show people just how quickly something can get? around the world. Yeah. And there are lessons that can be learned here about not just the content, but also about how quickly things can get radically out of hand. The flip side of that is it can be a force for good. It very often is a force for good, but I'm feeling as if those voices are being drowned out at the moment by some bullshit, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it, it, it would be very easy to believe Think of a society, America, the UK, for that matter, Australia, um, where the international view of that society might be something's going wrong there with the general level of national intelligence right now. Well, yeah, it isn't like that. It isn't like that. But people do need to kind of speak up and say, "Look, I don't agree with that." But come on, mate, that's that's completely ludicrous. Yeah. that you know, and it's that ability. That courage to stand up and stand up to the inevitable bullying that comes back from a very ingrained group. And the other final thing is this: there are some real blowhards out there, and, the, and the, you know there yeah. are. Yeah. And you know, and the sport is no different to that, and every sport's no different to that. There are other lessons to learn from politics, and one of these is this: we saw it with our latest general election, a very deeply ingrained, entrenched ideological group can very easily feel that their ideas are universally accepted because the same 2000 people always like and retweet them. It's not like that. Mm. And it's the same with every aspect of society. And it's the same
0: that we see in our community as well. Sometimes we often, we do have, I, I think as far as the Reddit hive mind goes, our community is slightly insulated by that, but we do have some very ingrained opinions. Like, for example, that uh, there is a, a very big cultural divide between the IMSA subreddit and the WC subreddit because uh, yeah. it, they're very much a little bit like this. There is a, a, a cultural divide to... Um, whether or not GT cars should be at Le Mans, which is an entirely okay. different question. Um but there right. is, you know, I'll answer
1: both I'll answer both those questions, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Number one, if you're of the um of the mindset that it's one or the other, get over yourselves yeah. because neither neither survive right now without the other.
0: Absolutely. So the
1: days of the old grand dynamic I mean it's one, it's boring, okay. Two, it's completely unnecessary. Three, it's completely unrealistic. You're gonna find that there's gonna be more crossover um, and there's never been a more important time for people to work together. As far as GT cars at the Mans are concerned, GT cars are going to stay at the Mans, yeah. okay? They are absolutely relevant to it and have been part of it for most of history, with the exception of the Group C era, and even then, they quite often were. Yeah. So the reality there is, if that's your opinion, I disagree with you, <laughs> uh, the IMSA versus WC thing, uh, bring it on. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll happily do it i'll happily i'll happily do another podcast and we can discuss just that
0: yeah okay well uh, it, there it, is, it's there
1: is not one person not one person involved in either part of that debate that at the cut co- forget the minutiae at the core doesn't value the fact that both have got to be healthy for the whole thing to work
0: yeah brilliant uh that's (laughs) we got well off track here okay let's try and uh it's uh, it's okay uh we'll try and round back to a few things on my list
1: this might be be a two coffee might
0: be a two coffee we'll we'll see how we go uh might have to have dinner soon for myself because it's just past 9 p.m here uh so you wanted to have a bit of talk about the journalistic marketplace uh that's something that you said to me regarding sports yeah Uh, just
1: just to basically point out the realities of well, we talked about the travel industry. We talked about the event industry. It is really tough right now out there in the media world. I mean, to give you a for instance, I'll talk about my, my, my brother. He's a journalist on one of our national newspapers. And we talked through lockdown um, and found rather oddly that the, the basic figures were broadly the same. And to give you a for instance, he was telling me their readership at the time. Uh, both in terms of printed papers and particularly online was up between two and 400% because yeah. people were at home with yeah. more time. Yeah. Marketing income had gone down by 95%.
0: Yes. And I, okay. remember, I remember having this conversation with you when it was happening and you said that there was yeah. two reasons for that. Two oh, there's reasons reason. yeah.
1: uh, well, there's lots of reasons. Yeah. Well, first things first, um, <laughs> companies aren't making any money. Therefore they've not got the marketing spend. And they're certainly lo- looking after those pennies because, In a situation where you're going to have to lay off a lot of people, and just about every company is going to have to, Mm. um, you don't want to be frittering money away, blah, blah, blah. Um, The other part of that that's just flown out of my mind, because you are absolutely right.
0: Is that no one wants their uh, marketing and advertisement to be tied to coronavirus news.
1: Basically, for the national newspaper uh, side of things, there are effectively three stories in the UK over the last six, eight months. You're absolutely right. Thank you for the reminder. No problem. Coronavirus, um, Donald Trump and Brexit. None of them all that positive, it has to be said. No, Um, not at all. So, yeah, that was the point at which, yeah, he says, look, look, it has been made clear that people don't want their happy, shiny consumer products uh, next to doom, gloom and despondency, arguments and, you know, treachery around – all those sorts of things. It is a a really difficult time in the business of journalism right now. Um, And not because there aren't stories, there's plenty of them, but finding ways to fund that. It's very difficult right now. And I think you're going to find that even those people that are finding their marketplace reasonably healthy are going to start to struggle moving forward. Why? We're not at the end of this year.
0: No, no, we're not. We're very
1: very many of the um print places you'll see tv uh, online that have got big brands at the top those deals may not have been done for next year so we're gonna have to get into hashtag wait and see um to see whether or not those organizations are in um in the same healthy state they currently feel they are coming into next year because to be blunt some of those deals won't happen and so those deals would be a lot tighter than they currently are.
0: Is that something that you are concerned about in your line of work as a sports car journalist?
1: Well, uh, uh, it's not my line of work as a oh. sports car journalist. It's my line of work
0: as a uh, journalist, a, an, an owner. Yeah,
1: as a, as an owner of uh, uh, you know a media outlet. So you know my role within Daily Sports Car. I'm one of three owners of Daily Sports Car, but my role very firmly is to not just to edit it, but have a, a weather eye on the commercial side of things. And it's on its ass. It's mm. as simple as that. There's no money out there that people want to spend on that. And we've had to work really, really hard to find new and interesting ways of, of keeping that alive. And we're, we're succeeding, you know, we have making it wash its face, but no one's earning a great deal of the money out of doing that at the moment. And what that means is that as things roll forward, it might mean you have to do other things with parts of the time and that, that resource that you've got as part of that. Um, the, the other thing to say is pretty clearly people are having to leave those industries. My, and again, on a game, my brother's, you know, core employer are losing about 30% of their staff. You know, that is no small number of people when you're dealing with a, a national slash international news organization. Yeah. So I guess it's this, my philosophy to start here is, it's time everybody started working together to survive this, rather than seeing this as an opportunity to kill your opposition. Yeah. If that's what you're doing, thank you is the straight answer. There well, it goes. There's the F one. Honestly, I mean, you know, this, this is a reality. You know, yep. this is a, it's a, it's a very human time. If that's what the attitude is out there <laughs> and it isn't for most people, then you're doing it wrong because the reality is going to be there is what you're killing. It may not seem this way right now is the marketplace. Mm. Why? Because let's say, Uh, I don't know, let's look at, um, let's say drag racing could be an an opportunity to to look at a closeted version. Now, let's say there's four or five nationally, internationally recognised outlets for drag racing. Okay, and let's say they're struggling at the moment because they're not able to go racing. And let's say one of those drops off pretty immediately and you've got two or three others that are struggling. And maybe you end up with one utterly dominant force in drag racing. That doesn't work. No. Because what that means is you've got one outlet for people to actually tell their message, not five. That means that you might be soaking up a bigger proportion of that pool, but the reality is the amounts are going to start to get less. Why? Because there's only one alternative. And the only thing that's going to happen there is you're going to start losing people from that part of the sport. A healthy marketplace everywhere means everybody wins. And I am seeing... Uh, in terms of the way that we interact with a number of, at times quite surprising, um, relationships with competitors are blossoming. Others see it slightly differently. And that, I think, is going to prove to be a mistake on their part. Okay. Whether or not we, we are still in the marketplace in three, four, five years, or whether or not we're not, I don't think that's paying dividends in anything other than the uh, short-term financial right now
0: okay wow that's that's that was a lot that was a lot i got very distracted (laughs) in the middle of that because when you drop the f-bomb chat just blew up so there's plenty of people (laughs) who have never heard
1: never heard me say well there are there are are two things you need to remember about live tv okay don't say (laughs) don't just don't (laughs) it's it's it is quite a. It's a difficult part of it. I can be a little sweary at times. Friends of mine would. Yes. Yes. Can family. confirm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, not doing that on air when drama really happens is is can be quite a challenge.
0: Yeah. You kind uh, of. I, kill, I want to, press the kill button. Yeah. I'm not sure about you, but I when when we do the broadcasting here and sim racing commentary I've done before, it's almost like a different like vocab space. So it, oh, yeah. it's almost as if your, your brain settles in. It's almost like another language that your brain just sort of settles in. So do you get that sort of experience as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't recall ever having crossed that line on live TV or radio. Um, I'm aware of other people
0: that have. Um, <laughs> oh, well, there's a very famous uh, story for a V8 Supercars commentator. Are you familiar with Neil Crompton? Have you met Neil Crompton oh, yes. before? Oh, I've so, met him briefly. So there's, uh, I think it was the 2008 uh, V8 Supercars shootout where he dropped a C-bomb on coming back from an ad break. Yep. Whoops. On live it TV. Yeah, on yeah, live so, you TV. You the other
1: day, we are not human. And, yeah. you know, never, in those circumstances, never underestimate the reality of the value of the word sorry, okay? <laughs> as, as I have said repeatedly to both of my children, okay, you're allowed to make mistakes. Just don't keep making the same mistake. Yep. You know, you're allowed to make mistakes and there might well be some consequences to those mistakes. But, you know, recognizing the humanity of a situation, I think is a, is a core value we should also, all see we're not perfect. No, uh, no. I'm patently not perfect. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's. it's it, it, a mistake should be forgiven.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, fall. of course, Neil is still doing the V8 Supercars commentary and it was fine. It was just. Outrageous,
1: if you ask me. It should have been binned years ago. Oh, well, I
0: remember, remember, this is Australia. <laughs> remember, Graham, this is but, Australia.
1: Like, I, I actually, you know, whatever the shortcomings at times of the V8 Supercars, um, you know, story, they're level of professionalism and the way in which that's presented on tv is an international example of what and how it can be done and you know there are lots of different examples in world sport alone motorsports of organizations that take themselves way too seriously way too seriously yeah. and actually the humanity that comes through the humanness that comes through with the export uh, Supercars. Um, is something that I think should be an example to a lot of people. Yeah, it's entertainment.
0: Yeah. Make it entertaining. (laughs) Make
1: it entertaining.
0: And having been lucky enough to meet some of the people involved, like uh, Neil Crompton, met him briefly, like Chad Nalon, like uh, Matt Nolte. Chad's awesome. Chad is awesome. I would love to, to have a conversation with Chad more often, um, and uh, and Mark Larkham as well. I think Larkham plays a very very important part of the V8 Supercar story. And I actually had a chance very briefly um, doing some sim racing commentary like two or three weeks ago, a Virtual Bathurst One Thousand, to pretend to be Mark Larkham, and it was awesome. And I want to do it more often. <laughs> um, but is that just? Have you seen what Mark Larkham does for the uh, Supercars commentary? Is he with the, the... With the whiteboard the and everything. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah,
1: Amazing.
0: so uh, do you think there is room for, say, an Alan McNish or a, a recently retired driver to do something yeah. like that for the WEC to go, okay, we've seen this problem appear. How was this happened? Or we're at Bahrain. How is the tyres and conditions different to Le Mans or something like that? Because uh, I think... physical
1: di- the physical difficulty with Alan is he can't reach the ball. Yeah, of
0: course, yeah. Alan. We'll give him a footstool or some some stilts or yeah. something. But uh... the
1: answer is the answer is fundamentally yes. Yeah. Okay, what we have is a resource which I think has often been forgotten, and we've got something that no other area of motorsport has got. We've got time. Time. Yeah. We've got time. A six-hour race is a long time. So yes, that comes with the availability of budget. Uh, because if you're going to put a whiteboard in, we're not in a standard studio format. I'm not sure how they do it with They they
0: they have a garage traveling studio. No, they, yeah. So they they no they have uh, when they do their, their their broadcast hub, they have it in a shipping container. And when they yeah. do the the Hino hub, or they they call it, is a a pit garage that they've yeah. kitted out. So they'll like I've I've been through there. It's it's all. They go nuts with that. Yeah, it's pretty well, nuts, it,
1: and it shows really well. I mean, it's actually talking to Ant
0: Davidson. Yes, he um, would be perfect for, for well, that he sort of F1. role. He does F one. Yeah.
1: Um, what was the? I'm trying to think of the incident. Um, I'm not an avid follower of Formula One.
0: I, I feel like days. you're about to say uh, Sergio Perez and uh, Nico Hulkenberg at Canada. Is that? I remember him was doing the, well, a very good it, piece I, with that.
1: There was one where he deconstructed. The uh, who it was the overtake with the um hybrid harvesting. Oh, was okay. Hamilton was involved in this two or three years ago, yeah, might okay. be longer than that. And it, it was uh, a zoomed version of what was going on with the, the the wheel and the dash, and then an out uh, an inset picture of the car, the rear, and the the flashing light at the back of the rear, the, the rear of the car. And it was brilliant, and we talked about that, and he loves doing that, loves yeah. doing that. Um, and he can, he's, he's just as as tall as... Is that work together? Oh, it'll work well. You, you see, see the, the two of them together, it's Just sit like the board on the floor,
0: or. and they'll be f- perfectly fine.
1: <laughs> I think we should have maybe uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, the Munchkins, and... Uh, <laughs> but it's... Um, yeah, I think it yeah. would work. I think it would work. It it would require a fundamental change in terms of the setup. Um, Our setup is pretty basic. You know, there are three of us in a commentary booth or in a truck. Um, We don't have the access to that kind of trackside um, uh, studio setup, but Alan does do some stuff for the app that gets closer to that. So anybody that actually does subscribe to the app will know that there's stuff that I never see, to be honest with you, Um, You know, I'm busy doing my thing, uh, but he's often out there with Duncan or with Lou um, and doing this kind of more in-depth analysis. But do I think there's a possibility? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, um, it, i think uh, that could be a very very cool part
0: of it uh, imagine like uh for a first time viewer at Le Mans, having a pit stop broken down for you in that sort of instance i think that sort of stuff would be really good having hey we've just seen this incident a gearbox failure let's pull apart a gearbox and see what's happened i think that's yep. that's something that is significantly lacking from the WEC coverage and as you said you have the luxury of time you can do well, these things hours if, later if,
1: even if you did kind of B-roll, so things like you know how does a gearbox work, you know yep. how does a pit stop work. I mean that all that stuff doesn't have to be done live. Yep. You know that that stuff can be done at any race meeting anywhere. The key is not overusing that resource. That yes. You're not. You know, thing that you know does make me want to do a pass the shotgun moment, which is, oh, tell me again about your history in the sport with that three uh, three minute kind of. Um, yeah, video, please. Yes, once more. Because I wasn't, I wasn't bored after the first
0: time. No, not at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it is that recognition that you've got to accommodate the commercial realities, but you've got to keep the audience as well. Yeah. Okay? And not also getting into this part, which is the flip side of that, is our burning need to know something should not be confused with an essential part of the broadcast um so it is that thing about whether or not what you you actually do is to say it might be something for instance like alan might be say might say something like you can see there the guys look at the back of the car not sure it could be could be the issue there with the gearbox this is what they can do this is what they can't press the red button now and you'll see me talking to sam at judge of sports about just what's involved if they have to do a gearbox change boom back to the coverage yeah. you know that's what red button coverage can do for you yeah Uh, Without a shadow of a doubt, it is that business around accommodating the burning need to know um, or at times endorsement of what we think we know with the reality of needing to carry on with a real time commentary, whether or not that's three, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it it does have a part of it. Um, Keep telling us. (laughs) <laughs> you know keep telling us these things
0: yes um, we want to see it we yeah. want to see it i want to do well, it let me tell you it. the
1: reality of what happens after every single wc race yeah okay reality is we do notes yep. okay we exchange those notes between the core team that's distilled down into a document that goes to the production team and the series management here's what we think should be done okay Um, At times, they can be quite short. At times, they can be very long indeed. At times, they can be expressed politely. At times, we can be pretty blunt about some shortcomings of certain aspects of the package. Um, And it it is a team. There's no doubt it's a team. We can't change everything. And some of the things we can change can't be changed overnight. And some of those are uh, very tied to the availability of time and therefore budget to be able to do them. But there is nobody in that team that wants to do a half-assed job. No. Everybody wants that to be the best it possibly can. And what I'm delighted to see is, we've got a team that, after the the race we had at Bahrain, we sat down and said, "Want well, to come and do this
0: again together?" Hell yes. Awesome. That's beautiful. That's exactly what you want to hear. And you, I, you definitely sort of see and hear the the sort of camaraderie that you have as a team uh, through the commentary, which is fantastic. I can't stand either of them. Oh, yeah, I I, I doubt it. Hateful individuals. (laughs) Um, So we're almost at the two-hour mark, so let's uh, whiz through a few things quickly. We've got one very quick question. It has to be very quick, Graham. You can't waffle on. Uh, How does one make a name for themselves in such a niche part of the motorsport world? You kind of carved out this little cavern in endurance motorsports as being the the sort of... uh, like the almost the voice. I don't want to quite say the voice because I think John Hindor is still around. Uh, so you've got you've got that going for you, but also with your work with Daily Sports Car, you've become a a, a the the sort of well-informed, mature, on the ball, but you know nuanced and and controlled voice of uh, of sports cars. How does one carve out that sort of niche for yourself? Answer answer in like a minute or less, if you can.
1: I think the answer is. It's not been a conscious decision to do it. Um, I think it, it's not. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of the journalistic side of things was always a hobby. That's what it came to be around other big jobs I was doing. Um, I sort of stumbled into the broadcasting side of things. Both of those then are fed by the 30 years of training I had in real world, um, you know, uh, work in communications that then comes the kind of natural way in which my mind works at at times it's fed by the irritation of misinformation or the absence of information. It's absolutely assisted by the fact that I enjoy interaction. Um, and for that, I'd say, by the way, full credit to the way in which radio show limited evolved in terms of encouraging that interaction. I think it's moved on very substantially now. Um, but the opportunity to share, the um, ability to realise what you are doing is someone else's dream job, uh, and not feeling as if that's a position of taking this position. It's a bit. It's taking that position. Yeah. It's my job. If I'm going to provide value for the people that fund me doing what I'm doing, whether that's going to races for daily sports car or being paid to talk about races by the other people is to engage that audience. And if I'm enjoying engaging that audience beyond the point when I'm being paid to do it, isn't that a fun thing to do?
0: Absolutely. I enjoy what I do. Absolutely. And there's uh, uh, something that Richie Benno, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Richie Benno's commentary. Oh yeah. So uh, something he always said is that he was a servant to the game. And I feel, I feel like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I get that impression from the the way that you talk and the way that you talk to fans. And I want to carry that as well uh, because, yeah, I, the fact I, that... I
1: the- love, if I get the, the chance, I love talking to fans. Yeah. I love it because I am a fan. Yeah. I'll always be a fan, okay? Uh, you know, it, it is that thing about I totally get it, you know? I also totally get that, v- that very many slash most fans if they're lucky, get to go to one race a year. But going to the Bend this year was great because you were talking to people who were seeing these cars for the very first time. And and a lot of them had always wanted to go and see those
0: cars. Absolutely. There
1: was, there was one guy on the balcony at the Bend, I think he must have been knocking 70 years old. Tears in his eyes. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah, just great. It's, it's great to have that opportunity to talk with experience to people who've got the passion and I'm getting that opportunity for the very first time. It's a wonderful part of what we do is to share experience and knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, knowledge is power. Knowledge is something that needs to be shared and needs to be out there and needs to help people to build that passion.
0: And and something that I've done my best to try and carry on. I think this is something you've said to me, but or maybe it's something I've just come up with on my own, which would be surprising, is uh, ask the questions or r- write the answers to the questions that, you're asking, like, when it comes to writing articles or doing podcasts or whatever, what are you as a fan interested in knowing and how can you get that information to other fans? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's... that's... I mean, here's,
1: here's, here's the point. People talk about the, the stereotypical, really vanilla interviews you get with total superstars.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and in part, that's because of the industry that's built up around them, this protective ring, damn it. But in part, it's because there's a lack of imagination, okay? Um, and it needs someone just to burst that bubble. And I can remember Aunt Davidson's a great example of it. Um, the very first year of the WEC, uh, we managed to get a little bit of funding to, to get people on planes from Toyota, and what that funding uh, paid for was me to do interviews with each of their drivers. In-depth interviews, yeah. which were then handed over to Toyota for their website. And one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me after an interview was Ant Davidson after that interview, and he said, "I wasn't sure what to expect, but I really enjoyed that."
0: That's a uh, and that's and
1: I, I, and that, that was that was just absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: I'll give you one example because examples are always great fun, and it was another Joe Bradley moment. Joe, so <laughs> between shifts at Daytona, often comes and sits with uh, Marshall and myself and Stephen Kilby in the press room and at Daytona, uh, it's set up with a top table with microphones on a, on a stage. And then there's at right angles to that four rows of desks. Yep. And through the the week and through the race, they bring in significant people who either explain how their race has gone or make announcements, et cetera. And this was the year that Fernando Alonso came for the first time. And it was all very deferent and people weren't sure. And, um, and it was going on, and Fernando, it was pretty clear, was pretty engaged, but not really very excited by it. And Joe then spoke up, and he said, "This, Fernando, um, how do you think you're going to cope uh, with being asked to wake up in the middle of the night and perform immediately?" And Fernando, <laughs> to his absolute credit, it's on the it's on the web somewhere. Genius, and he could see it in Joe's eye. Joe's eye twinkling. Uh, just genius thing. And Fernando turned to him and said, it's never happened to me be before. <laughs> and, and that's what you look for. Yeah. You look for someone to break through. You look for someone to just engage with people. An interview is a one-on-one transaction. And if you're not bought into that transaction, you'll get nothing back. Yeah. So I, I've got a, a variety of ways in which I try to put people at ease that I don't particularly know very well. And I try to make it as light-hearted as possible. I'm not always trying to find out a blazing truth. I'm actually looking to find out more about that person. And sometimes you have to invest in an interview with someone that first time to build that trust before actually the second time is the one where you get the better material. Yes, yes, yes. You've just got to remember, what's it like when you meet a person for the first time socially? can be a bit awkward. Yep can be, you know, what's going on with this guy? I mean, you know, those people are out there in the dating world, it's exactly the same. First mm, yes, date can absolutely. be first date can be very awkward. Second or third date, let's not go any further than that. <laughs> I am not saying that's how my interviews go.
0: No, uh, uh, so oh whoa, whoa, whoa. They really don't. Whoa. This is <laughs> this really is the don't. second time we've had you on endurance chat, Ryan. What are you getting at? <laughs> but you get the point. It's yeah, that yeah. business about building up
1: um, building up a little bit of trust with that person, that transaction uh, and then just drilling a little bit further into that to get more
0: you, um, You've used the word that, tr- trust there again, is a lot of journalism and a lot of uh, communication about trust, and about about trusting yeah. your interviewee to give you the right stuff and uh, and then the other instance, trusting that you can then deliver that in a respectful way <sighs>
1: I have various red lines. We all got red lines in life, okay? Um, My three red lines, I normally say two, but there is a third. I don't do well with snobs. I fundamentally don't do well with bullies. Um, I will not be bullied. Uh, And you don't lie to me twice. Simple as that. If I'm lied to and I find out, number one, you're going to find out that I know. Number two is you won't be trusted again. And we will have that transactional conversation that I know. So it's something where I don't have very much of an amusement filter about that. Um, Most people in my orbit know that. And most people absolutely respect that. I'm perfectly happy to be told by somebody I can't talk about that. I'm not happy to be told by someone some bullshit that I then go and repeat to readers and it makes me and them look ridiculous. So I think the answer... Trust is a really important part of it. I'll give you a Stephen Kilby moment, actually. Um, you cross these bridges, and Stephen got to the point where I can remember the conversation with him. He said, I'm enjoying it now because the realization is they do want to talk to me. Yeah. You know, It's not me having to persuade them to spend that time. It's they're as passionate as I am about this, And in the right environment, they will open up because they do want to talk about how passionate they are about it and about what's happening and how well or otherwise it's going. If you can get to that point and it's not adversarial, um, I think everybody gets a bit more out of it. You might not get the absolute scoop every time, but the difference is. That I'm probably going to be welcome for
0: longer. Yeah, and you start to um, build you build those relationships. I, even even in my short two events that I've done, you start to build those relationships with those you, you see uh, on a regular basis. So you I, I think uh, I think uh, a, a sort of crowning moment for me at Bathurst was running into Garnet Patterson, the the racer from yeah. Adelaide, who I'd met at the Bend and connected with. And we had a chat. I ran into him in the paddock and he took me aside and said, how are you going? Is everything going right? I was like, I've been recognised in the paddock. This is kind of scary.
1: When you get to the stage where people are doing that for a chat and without reason, um, or just looking for a bit of help or information, that's a really fulfilling part of it. This morning before we started, I think three, three teams, uh, team owners from around the world, um, ringing and just saying, what can you tell me about this? How's that going? There's no story in it for me. And I think where I'm different to some is this. I'll give up the hundred clicks any day of the week if the phone call I make to that person next time is more welcome. Yeah. Okay? Because I'll never forget this. It's their business. It's their career. It's it's their life, not mine to. Draw out, and you know, sometimes you feel you have to kind of cross into iffy territory. I don't step away from controversy if I feel it's necessary. Um, but I'm not someone who feels the need to live my life by the buzz of having to have a scoop every single day. That's it's destructive, yeah. It's destructive in terms of relationships and in terms of trust, it's destructive in terms of the layering that you can get out of a career doing what we do yeah. and that will never be me and um, if, if people see that as a failing up to you, I'm yeah. perfectly happy and fulfilled um, I'm perfectly happy that I've got lots of different ways in which I can contribute to my business and my industry um, I'm perfectly happy with that, uh, good luck with trying to carry on with constructive relationships if what you're doing
0: repeatedly
1: is just looking for something that's a little bit more Exciting than it actually is.
0: Yeah, trying to trying that to make uh, something appear out of something that isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the,
1: the enemies, the, the enemies, by the way, um, are stories where you read the words could, should, and might too many times. Yeah, because that's when you get into the the areas of speculation. What that generally means is you know something's going on, but you can't nail it. There's there's could, should, and might, and multiple panic sources have told us. <laughs> Okay, which basically means one person's told you and you can't nail it down, but you're afraid that someone else is going to get it first. Not interested in that marketplace on a day to day basis. There are elements. There are times when that, I think, is necessary to push a button. But more often than not, for me, the relationship that comes out of not doing it is more important than the 50 or 100 clicks you get by doing it. Yeah, I don't think you're making a fundamental contribution to the industry by by adopting that kind of attitude to it. And um, by the way, just in case you're one of the people in my industry that might listen to this and think it's aimed at you, it's not aimed at one person. It's aimed at part of the industry that deals with news and only news. Yeah, You know, um, it's, it's a pretty soulless place at times, the news market.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, and I'm noticing that more and more as we go through this year that sometimes... Uh, there exists news just to drum up controversy. Like we're, again, I'll reference the, the knockdown we're having in Adelaide at the moment. Uh, there has been a significant outcry against a particular line of questioning uh, of the Premier and of the Health Minister and of the, yep. the, the Police Commissioner um, because everyone has begun to recognise that all they are doing is looking for a headline, and it has started to fall back on them because now everyone's saying don't listen to what they're saying because it's a a joke.
1: I'll give you
0: an an answer and a parallel to
1: this, which is in a conversation with one of the series I'm involved with. Just um, as a
0: quick quick aside before we go any further, you don't have to worry about anyone in the industry listening to this because, I mean, no i would listen to this.
1: (laughs) You might be surprised, but here's a parallel for you. Talking to... um, One of the series in which I'm involved with uh, about the quality and level of communications during lockdown, where I've I've been fairly critical of the the lack of communication. And the answer came in in a very civilized conversation, but we we couldn't give them the answers to which the answer is they know that these are intelligent. There is not one business in international sports car racing that it hasn't got a turnover in the high six figures, not one. Okay. And most of them, it's in the seven figures. Yeah. These are, if you're carrying on with that year after year, you're not an idiot. Okay. So they get that you don't know. What they want to feel is transactionally, they want to feel that there's somebody that cares about the well being of their business as part of this. What they actually want to hear is someone picking up the phone and going, Hi, it's insert name of French person. Um, uh, It's.
0: Sorry,
1: sorry. It's, <laughs> Got it's How it's it's how are you doing? How's things? Yeah. And from there on in, you can have a conversation. It's 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 you know. Everybody knows we don't know when this is going to end. Everybody knows that they can't say we're definitely going to be going to, insert name of circuit uh, on insert in a certain date. We all know that. What you want is to be treated as an important part of that community, yeah. and yeah. it's that 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 phrase of you know that said about the um. How you doing, mate? Yeah, how you doing? You know, yeah. yeah, that's it. Absolutely. You know, it's that. I think it's that simple. That, by the way, that little phrase is the antidote to all the other bullshit. How are you doing?
0: Under 100. And one series that has done that very, very well, in my opinion, has been the Asian Le Mans series. Not only did okay. they they put in place a provisional character very, a calendar very early to say this is what we are thinking, get on board if you can, and then when that became obvious that that wouldn't be the case, here is what else we are thinking. Can this work for you? They, uh, yep. Cyril wallen and, and the crew at the Asian Le Mans Series has done a fantastic job, and that is going to be a big series next year because it's what three week, four events in three weekends or something along those lines.
1: It is. It's, it's over three weeks um, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, it's going to be two races the first weekend, then there's a gap because there is another booking for the circuit. Yeah, and then a uh, further two races on the second weekend, two different track formats: night racing, day racing day into night racing oh that's so um, cool
0: and and so there's a lot good. of really exciting things going on in the Asian sports car market at the moment not only uh, not only the Asian Le Mans series which has just grown unbelievably in the last few seasons um And we'll be returning to the bend, hopefully in the future. Thank you. Oh, we will absolutely. Um, uh, But also Asian GT as well, and Australian GT just announced a partnership with SRO, which has made me just the happiest clam on the planet.
1: Uh, Well, you know, uh, uh, let's say just a quick word about that. There's there's inevitably, because there always are predominant force in GT racing comes into national marketplace, the sky's falling. No, come on, SRO bring stability with oh, it. Oh, absolutely. They'll bring, they bring a rule set with it. They'll bring certainty with it. They'll bring a level of professionalism that unfortunately Australian GT has not managed to deliver um, in terms of a range of things, not least their comms. It's been pretty bloody ropey for the last yep. two, a couple of three years. Yep. So and, and it's... that should that should hopefully add to the health of that marketplace. The next thing I want to see from that is I want to see SRO and Cyril's team sitting down and talking. Uh, They have previously. um, There has been some collaboration over uh, not clashing with calendars in recent years, which has been great to see. Um, There needs to be just another notch there. I I hope that can happen, because I think that would add immeasurably to everybody's level of enjoyment about it. If we could get to the stage where, at the bend, we've got you know, a guesting group of five or six cars in the Australian GT Championship, if that means that one or two of those decide to add um, the Asia Le Mans series and maybe World Challenge Asia to their plans, that can only be a good thing for everybody and and makes things sustainable.
0: And I was quite surprised that we didn't see that at the Asia Le Mans series this year. I would have thought that uh, some of the established Australian GT teams, of which... Uh, arguably there are none anymore, um, would have taken up that opportunity. But we did see a, a smattering of Australian drivers, which made me very, very happy. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think of the Ace... You, you got something you it want to say? It, it came close.
1: It came close. Yeah, okay. So Surreal so, so and Jane Roe, Surreal's uh, um, media uh, director, press secretary if you like, um, visited Australia, visited um, teams and manufacturer op- uh, operations. There, it came pretty close. Okay. But as with anything, that's a first brave adventure, a bit of baby steps. Yeah. It was a successful meeting. Coronavirus has, has put a pause to that. But I think if you if you were speaking to a far better looking and more neatly uh French gentleman than I can possibly do an impression of, he would probably share with you. He already has an idea about a provisional calendar moving forward for next year. I hope that involves the bend. I hope that involves Suzuka where we were supposed to be going uh, this year. And that obviously couldn't happen either. Um, he is driven um, and uh, absolutely the the example that others should be looking to of how to communicate to his customers because they're the most important ones. Without that, there is no show and where he invests in terms of the ability to externally communicate. And that means what we do at the circuit with words, with pictures, with social media, and with what we do with the TV package. Look at what they've got to play with, okay? Then look at the results they've got. It's I think I said, I think, again, that GT World press conference, um, take a look at that because the devil is always in the detail. Um, there is somewhere, I think, towards the end of it, they talk about the media impact of GT World Challenge and the Continental GT Challenge and where reaches, reach is, And they use as a barometer some of the other international series. And on that list are a whole range of things, including IMSA, including WEC, including UNMS, and including the Asian Lamont series. Go and have a look where that is in that order and then come back and tell me they're not doing a good job with the resources they've got. Their resources are tiny compared to many other international um, uh, uh, series, but yeah, they, they consistently outperform. So I think there's an example there of how things can be done with not no cost, but with limited cost, and by keeping a core team kind of ticking over. I know, you know, Jackie Warnock who works with Jane on the social media side is just raring to get out of the stalls (laughs) and get out of Adelaide.
0: Oh my Um, God. Oh my God. Poor girl. She has been uh, chomping at the bit to leave this country.
1: Just, just a touch.
0: Um, so by the way, Jackie, if you are listening, we do love you. Just, (laughs) I'll I'll make, I'll make sure she does. Uh, But
1: here's, here's the thing with it
0: is there are examples
1: out there where you don't have to spend millions to, to get to millions. Yeah. And there, in the Asia Minor series, is a great example of someone doing exactly that. Really wise investment about the way in which they've developed that product. And at, at, at another time, I'll tell you how the TV deal came together. It's an extraordinary story
0: okay. about
1: what, where we started, and where we now sit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Cause it's, it's 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 night and day. Because uh, what four years ago it was. I think Chinese only commentary. And I I think uh, someone in the chat might uh, remind me, I I think one of our members on a whim was just like, I guess I'll just provide commentary for the day because why not? And we had someone in our Discord server just doing commentary because there wasn't any English comms.
1: Well, I mean, I'll tell you the initial story, but the first year um, it was me persuading the TV producer that I could sit in there, Uh, edit suite because they weren't doing live they were just doing a highlights package uh it was me sitting in the edit suite talking to a timing screen And the following race we did it with a couple of webcams and then at fuji we did it with him sitting in race control and cycling through the circuit cctv and putting that to air and me commentating on that for four hours you know and we got an audience And it was getting that audience. And, you know, I've said this, I know, a number of times in conversations we've had on uh, on the Reddit group, which is give them the positive feedback, show me you're enjoying it, come along and watch it, be constructively critical, but be realistic about it and better things will come. And it did. And now what we've got is one hell of a team.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we, we did actually have a question uh, that you just prompted me there. Um, Mark Clarkson, which, who I'm sure you've met, uh, was one of the people lucky enough to get a Genetta tour. Absolute madhead. Um, he asked, what can we as a sports car community do to help right now? Because, you know, we can't go to races. We can watch. Yeah. We can comment. We can yeah. engage. We can buy merch. What what beyond that can we do to to help this time period?
1: Be positive, be engaged, be constructive, Um, keep the positivity up on social media in particular that is watched by, absolutely is watched. Keep watching, I think, is the other thing. You know, remember that most of the races we're sad we can't go to. We probably couldn't go to in the first place. Yeah. But just, just be as you are, this engaged, positive community of people that have got a common will for this all to succeed. In terms of, positive feedback, let's wait and see what can emerge from what comes next in terms of the management structure of ACO. And by the way, the answer to that question is I have no idea. <laughs> I have an idea what might happen. Yep. Um, but uh, I think in terms of the scope, prepare to be underwhelmed in terms of what comes next. I don't mean that in terms of the output. I mean in terms of the solution making. I don't think you're going to see many big names coming in and there's lots of good reasons for that but um, be prepared that it's not going to be all that exciting in terms of the solution to the fact that Gerard Nouveau is now left. Yeah. Um, but will there be an opportunity to, for people to feed in? I hope so. I've got some ideas on that front, which I'm given half an opportunity going to be putting forward, um, and that would involve input from engaged individuals and groups. Um, but And that's going to be about with a finite resource. Where do you spend it? Yeah. What do you do? You know, it's all very well we could we could take around the take another container full of set and kit and caboodle, but it all costs money. What can we do with the money we've we've already got to make the audience happier and more to the point bigger? And we all know there's one or two easy answers to some of that, but even easy answers come with a price tag. I mean, yeah. one of the ones I'm sure it's on there, and on that list is charging for the app. Yes, yes. absolutely. I believe, and most others do, that that there should be uh, open source uh, for people to actually watch this. The difference between us and them is I don't know what the figures are. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't know how much money they make from that and whether or not that is a defining point in whether or not they can offer that service. Yeah. I and don't
0: know. I'll tell a quick story here. Um, I, I understand that they might use that app to fund the broadcast whether that be in terms of getting the talent or awesome. getting or the cameras or the personnel or the graphics etc 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 and i think that does set it apart from other broadcasts in a similar vein but i got into the wec by stealing the broadcast i did not have i did not pay for it in the first year that i had it i was lucky enough to get shown how to backdoor my way into the stream. And for the first year of my enjoyment of the WEC, I was stealing the broadcast. And I don't know if that's going to put me on some blacklist or something, but, you know, I...
1: Hang on a minute. Get the helicopter on the way now. Get the (laughs) helicopter on the way now. Yeah. is Adelaide it's 223 <laughs> Adelaide
0: Street Adelaide uh, Australia Oh no um but yeah so like that 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 means that you know my experience as a fan what has happened since then my experience with the Discord community and the WEC subreddit that all would not have happened and I'm sure that I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm overreaching here, but that would mean that, you know, that experience has then changed for other people who I may have influenced in that.
1: I think the I think the answer is uh, obviously I'm shocked, stunned, and amazed that that's uh, that was your introduction to it. Um but I would hope that coming out the other side of this extraordinary 2020 adventure, that some fundamental questions will be asked and answered about solutions to how it's sustained moving forward. I hope that gives opportunity for a bit of constructive thought and I hope that um, a range of people are going to be involved in that decision making process and that feedback process. So the answer is, stay positive, stay engaged, um, keep asking the questions and let's work towards finding opportunities to make a more positive input about a better solution moving forward. That's what I hope for, is a straight answer. Beautiful. I think there are there are big potential wins by making the right decisions moving forward. But to get to that point, they've got to be a bit more relaxed about understanding where the business case is in the first place. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Simple so, as that. Yeah.
0: Awesome.
1: And that might be my next step. Fair is, enough. Is to actually ask that question, which is, tell me what the business case is, and then can I help you to help you? Yeah. Um, help me to help you. That might be another part of it. Help yes, me absolutely. Help you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am genuinely, literally invested yeah. in that marketplace. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know? I mean, everything I do Intimately depends invested. on that market. Uh, absolutely. There's yeah. nothing to do with, you know, nothing about all the business interests I have in the sport that, that don't do well if they do well. Yeah,
0: Okay. absolutely. Um.
1: And I think what they've got to be persuaded of is the altruism of that approach that's not – I'm not going and knocking on the door and saying, you know, come and pay me a hundred thousand euros to give you the answers to the questions you already knew. It's, can I help informally to bring to you some questions that you might want to ask of the people that are giving you the solutions you've currently got? Yeah.
0: Brilliant. That's, That's c- consultancy, right? That's consultancy in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I'm, frankly at this stage with that
1: kind of area, I don't even want to be paid for that. It'd be nice. if I did, but ultimately if I can bring something forward that helps this to be more sustainable, why wouldn't you do that?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That, it, it's it's benefits for everyone. Okay. Uh, two things before we finish up because we're hitting two and a half hours and this is going to be a long wow. one. Uh, it's a bit like Twisk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was about to say. So first thing, uh, in two sentences, you only get two sentences. Okay. Uh, what kernel of positivity can you offer us for 2021? What is something that you might have in your back pocket that you can say that you can let us know that we is going to get us excited about 2021 considering that we're here a month out from the end of what for some people will be the worst year of their lives.
1: Okay. Um, of the series that I'm most engaged with so the Asian Le Mans series the European Le Mans series and the FIWC plus IMSA I expect full grids for all of them.
0: Awesome. That is... That is awesome. That is that is a great can- kernel of positivity. I love that. Uh, secondly, just before we finish off, um, can I talk to Marshall about doing a "Who the hell are you"? I'd love to do. That. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a "Who
1: the hell are you." How, how have you not done one? I've no idea, but it's um, I think with MP, um, his work, his work uh, ethic is staggering yep. and you know he and Chabral emerge from I just can't imagine what the last year or two has been like uh he closes in on a thousand podcasts yeah, yeah you. we mentioned that right oh, at dear. the very
0: top of the show we did um there's a how, lot how long has talk. he been doing that how long has he been doing the podcast? 2016 2016 20, wow so that's the same amount of time that we've been doing the podcast we've just capped yep. off a hundred and 20 episodes and yep. he's at a thousand. That is... And I can
1: tell you he's probably got a hundred or so in the bank. Um, so I can tell you there's one, two, three. I can think of four that I've given to him we've not yet seen. Okay, Wow. So I mean, a good example of it is if you've not heard the Peugeot podcast um, from Sebring two years ago, so this was Super Sebring, yeah. Um, where he sat down with Pedro Lamy, and Davidson, and Sebastian Bourdais, and there is a part two yet to be published, which includes, I think, it's Bourdais and Pagano. That creepy. is an awesome podcast. It's an awesome podcast. Yeah. I mean, as a, for instance, uh, it was the guys talking for the first time about Nick Manassian's accident at Paul Ricard, where, yeah. if you don't know Paul Ricard, it's difficult to explain how extraordinary this is. But the car ended up on the runway of the airport next door. Uh, that's a long. Uh, have a look, have a look on Google Maps. Have a on Google Maps. That's an extraordinary thing. No. Anyway, uh, and an hilarious story about what happened when they started the engine up for the first time of the 908 and its very first test at Ricard, which included Gerard Naveau, who was then the general manager of the circuit. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Okay. Um, it's one of the best motorsport podcasts I've heard. Uh, the best motorsport podcast I've heard, by the way, uh, and I say this to everybody, I said it to a, a guy um, in Bahrain just this weekend, is Dinner With Racers Level 5 Special. <laughs> if you've not heard that, yes. it's the best racing podcast ever.
0: Yes, besides um, this one, of the, course.
1: Besides this one. <laughs> um, but Marshall's Peugeot podcast, um, he's got a lot that are in the locker, including some really cool... In car stuff, including the one uh, that broke my tape, uh, my uh, digital recorder into three. Uh, That was an in car uh, recording of a Ferrari 458 GTE at Monza. Um, And the vibration in that car literally shattered my quite expensive digital recorder into three separate pieces. Mercifully, it didn't stop recording. That is amazing. Um, So he's got a lot of that kind of ambient stuff um, as well, as well as other. Uh, stuff that will still come forward and you'll see that beginning to eke out as Marshall gets into a little bit more recovery mode. Um, Christmas he's month. been yeah well he's also been in, in you know been very honest about you know because of where his wife's health condition has been the uh, the isolation at the moment because her immune system with the treatment is shot. Yeah. Uh, which means that they've actually had to isolate for years now, yeah. into the years now. Um, but he's no less motivated. Uh, the podcast, i it's a joyful thing. I love doing it. And through you know, the months where it's been not all that positive, it's been a real positive for us to do it. We carry on doing that. Um, we have got one. We've already recorded from two days ago. There's some cool stuff in that about stuff that's kicking around. Um there's a bit of a response to a couple of news stories from elsewhere from me where I've been equally blunt there as I've just been now. Um, so, um, yeah. See Love it. We'll carry on doing it. Keep uh, going in, but do listen to that Peugeot 908 because it's a cracker.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I think we've given you enough time to po- uh, promote your other podcast in this podcast. <laughs> Uh, and as we hit 2 hours and 30 minutes, I want to say thank you very much, Graham. Uh, thank you for giving, giving me some of your time tonight. I know we just kind of threw this together on a whim, basically, a few days ago. So thank you for, for doing that. We didn't get through everything on my list because, of course, we didn't because that was never going to happen. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been a, a wonderful experience getting to chat with you again, to see you in person, the first time since LeMond, actually. And I, I, I hope the next week of travel for you goes very safely. Well, fingers
1: crossed for me, to you and to all your community, you're an awesome positive part of this. It's been, I've, I've loved engaging with your guys. The level of positivity matches, how uh, can put this, compares very well to other alternatives that might be actually out there. <laughs> um, stick with it. Keep your heads up. Stay positive. Have a great Christmas with friends and family if you possibly can make it. Um, I'll do this, this one again in the new year maybe from Abu Dhabi that'd maybe be cool. we'll, get, that we'll would, get
0: cereal in as well and do that that'd that, be cool that hey, hey don't make promises Graham don't don't. Well, here's don't. the
1: thing we've, we've got a week in between the races um, uh, we can we do an talk. AMA
0: AMA you've done an AMA we could do that I,
1: I, I I'll speak to Jane now okay and I think we're putting together a program for the teams and the drivers for the week in between and this goes on the program fantastic that.
0: thank you very much Great Graham stuff. And thank you for everyone who's joined on in our chat room. Thank you everyone who will eventually listen or watch this. Yeah, Thank you very much. Uh, I'm been Michael Oliver, peace out.